Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. And you know what? This time I mean it because I watched. Oh, I wanted to say you've listened to another anime podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're out there. Trust me. YouTube's trying to recommend, <laughs> recommend them to me. But uh, I have watched all the anime since last episode. Every anime released has been watched by me this weekend. I'm caught up on everything. I'm good to go. And you know what? There's a lot of things I actually like going this season. Uh, There's definitely a lot of stuff worth talking about um, this season. There's some sure. quality, quality shows. Some not-so-quality shows, which we'll talk about that I'm finally <laughs> dropping off uh, as we are already rapidly approaching the middle of the season. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we don't hey need guys, to... Hey guys, what's your anime of the year? <laughs> Oh right, yeah, guys! We're... Top five lists will be due. Uh, <laughs> yeah, next week. I, I gotta, uh, I gotta start collecting those soon because we're already in November here. Um, perhaps some of the shows this season might be in there. It's is it time for me to 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 start spamming? Uh, for your consideration, Vinland mm-hmm. Saga season two. Oh god, I have to finish that before the end of the year too. <laughs> Man, fuck November! Can't shave, can't not have to write a fifty thousand page. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to choose your best anime of the year. Yeah, November, the worst month. Uh, but yeah, we do have a lot of anime to talk about. But before we get into that, let's introduce everybody. I'm Jell. I'm joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Still alive. Still with us. We are joined by G. You know, uh... It, it's 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 fitting, Gel, that you talked about having to uh, watch all of that anime uh, in such a short period of time. Uh, uh, some could say you were really crunching on on getting all this anime done in time for the podcast, uh-huh. and I think that's really inspired me. Actually, you know, I think um, you know, you know, inspired by um, Mappa CEO Manabu Otsuka. <laughs> oh no! Um, I think we can really take. The, the Glorio chat to the next level. And that's why I'm here to announce that starting today, uh, there will be an episode of the Glorio chat every day. Uh, we are no mm. longer doing <laughs> every two <laughs> weeks. We're doing uh. a daily podcast. Oh, wait, you know what? We'll just we'll just live stream our reactions to whatever oh, no. we're watching every yes. day. Right? <laughs> Keep that hashtag Please. content flowing. Someone has uh, to be the new Yamakan, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Not, not to immediately date this podcast. Just uh, <laughs> I, I recently read an, a new interview with Mappa CEO uh, where the dude basically admits that um, he took a hard look at studios like Kyo Ani and Madhouse, anime I mean, studios like that kind of at UFO table that built up their reputation through years or even decades of building talent and mm-hmm. institutional knowledge through you know the retainment of of veteran animators and said i can do that in five years i'll just wa- i'll just work all of my like relatively new fresh talent into the dirt <laughs> make them do 10 make them do 10 years uh 10 years worth of work in five uh yeah basically yeah. 
That'll and he's be. very proud. He he. This interview, he's like, man, I'm a genius. I'm a I'm a business <laughs> savant for by figuring this out. And it's like, oh, uh, dude, you are really not doing yourself any favors here. <laughs> hey, oh, what's Napa. the worst that could possibly happen? <laughs> what, are, what are they What are they doing this season? Jujutsu Attack on Titan. <laughs> yes, those two. <laughs> oh yeah, well. Those are those are the two biggest the two of the biggest things going. So yeah, uh, well, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's shitty. Yes, yeah. I mean they did Vinland Saga season two also this year. Also an excellent anime. I can't deny it. Yeah. All right. Well, we are also joined by Aqua. Welcome back, Aqua. I've had like a week off from work and. My mental health has deteriorated already to such a point that I'm super <laughs> into Yu-Gi-Oh now for some reason. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I recently also took a week off and realized I need like a month off, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, study show. If you're working a five-day work week, you should get you should get a week off every two months. Huh. Sounds like sounds a revolutionary really nice. idea. Yeah. Or sounds... just have a four-day work week. Like Get out, yeah. you communists. <laughs> did, did, the, did the union put you up to this? Oh, shit. Had my, the map of union? Uh. The, the, problem is, the problem is capitalism. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, let's uh, steer this train back over to anime. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we've got a bunch of things we're watching. And we'll start with uh, one of our more anticipated shows that finally hit Netflix. <laughs> it's finally here. Which is the the anime adaptation of the critically acclaimed Pluto manga. Uh-huh. Itself uh, which... an adaptation of the acclaimed Astro Boy. Yes. Uh, Storyline, the it's strongest robot. Fun, fun lighthearted world. Astro Boy spinoff, Pluto. <laughs> is um, it controversial to say that Urosawa is the best currently active mangaka? He's mm. definitely in the running. I, I would right. say, like, if if you said that, I wouldn't push back. I think there right. are other mangaka out there who are like in that same weight class. But to have Urasawa's consistency, mm-hmm. he 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 is very well up there. Yeah, you're about to get you're going to get sniped by a One Piece fan three days from now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell you what, with it, when One Piece has its own arc that is a metaphor for conflict in the Middle East, um, you know... Oh, they will all tell you that it is. Yeah, I was just about to say, you're gonna get sniped by a One Piece fan in about three days, G. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. you see, the Fishman arc is actually a metaphor for... <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway, yeah. Let's, um... Let's talk Pluto. about let's talk about Pluto now. Ha- have you yeah. all read the manga? Because I have not, but I have. I have. I've okay. also read the original Astro Boy storyline. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. have I? So, I have read bits and pieces of the Pluto manga because it, because it is one of the ill-fated manga that actually got like an attempt at localization in my country and my native language. Oh, no. But then they but then it stopped Damn because it. <laughs> it turned out everyone was just buying manga in English. Like right, well. <laughs> Yeah, is, so uh, I think once again, this is going to be you guys have the manga reader perspective and I have the coming in cold. I mean, other than uh-huh. I'm, I, you know, I've picked, you know, what Astro I, I know Boy what it is, is because yeah. I know what Astro right, Boy right, is right, and I know right. what Pluto well, is just because it's one of the most like, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, critically acclaimed right. manga out there. But I mean, I still think that perspective is going to be really valuable because yeah. I have talked to people who straight up watched Pluto 
and did not realize it was an right, Astro Boy thing right. until the e- the very end of the first episode. That's oh yeah, right. if you if you That's didn't tell funny, me that, if, or if I didn't know that, if I didn't know that beforehand, I don't I don't know if I would have realized that. At I all. mean, that's this, that's also the strength of the material, right? Because it offers a completely mm-hmm. different perspective. Like Astro Boy is a quote unquote superhero story told from the perspective of Astro Boy, whereas this sort of reframes that arc as a police procedural murder mystery right noir kind of thing from the perspective of a different character right Right. uh since this is our first time talking about it uh formally i guess we might as well just like establish real quick right that uh uh pluto is as we said an adaptation of an astro boy an original astro boy arc um arc in the manga uh basically about a series of murders that occur in a world where ostensibly robots are unable to harm humans Mm -hmm. and uh, takes the perspective of a European detective named Geshikt, who is also a robot and sort of the developing mysteries that occur uh, the deeper he Mm -hmm. he delves into, into the case. And like the, the important thing is that there's like, there are parallels between a series of robot murders and a series yes. of human murders. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah. and just for just for context, uh, I think all of us here have only watched the first episode. So unfortunately, Pluto got Netflixed, which uh-huh. means nobody will be talking about this anime in mm-hmm. like three weeks. Right. So you also, know. <laughs> it has an added sort of an added quote-unquote problem of having episodes that are an actual hour long so it takes yes. a bit more effort to like you know sit yeah. down and, and and watch it's like what are you talking eight... about it's on netflix i binged in one day like like it's, <laughs> oh, it's god it's like it's like eight it's eight episodes but mathematically it's probably like 20 something normal anime episodes right, right, right. i mean yeah. that first step i'm i'm a I the first episode cut is, it up yeah. into more episodes because like the first, that first episode, episode is really yeah. strangely structured, right? That first yeah. episode has like two distinct Story segments lines. in it, yeah. and so like I think I feel like it probably would have been fine to just cut those into two episodes. Yeah, and, like, it's especially have, striking. have irregular episode lengths, but... right? Because the first twenty ep- minutes like set up the mystery, introduce this character of Gesigt, uh, the the robot detective. And then all of a sudden we skip to this kind of one-off sort of story mm-hmm. about the relationship between a an elderly man and his new robot servant slash butler. And it sort of makes you think of like, oh, oh, so this is the kind of show that is going to be like, you know, there will be an overarching plot, but then you will also have these vignettes in which the right. author pon- ponders the nature of artificial <laughs> intelligence and all of this stuff. And it's only at the very end that you find out that this is not just a story from this world, but actually is related to the mm-hmm. the overall overarching yeah. plot, right? But uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the fascinating things they definitely established very early on, I think that... Again, even with knowledge of the manga, I think that the Pluto anime does a pretty good job of is that each victim, uh, each robot victim mm-hmm. of these murders uh, so essentially is an Afghan war vet, right? A, mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. a veteran of what is known as the 39th Central Asian Conflict. A, as of now, vaguely alluded to war that happened in the Middle East that was fought right. primarily between robots. Uh, uh, and that the first two victims... Who went by the names of Mont Blanc and North Number Two, uh, both served in that war. Both mm-hmm. 
implied to have part of the peacekeeping forces. Yeah, right, I guess right. peacekeeping force. Yes, that is why that is why North Number Two has six gun arms. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, like we say, Afghanistan war, but it's like a, it's like a general yes. satire yeah. of you know meddling in the Middle East. Well, war, yes, you know, uh, like, it, for yeah. important context, the original Pluto manga, which it proves that Urasawa is one of the <laughs> hardest men to ever live. <laughs> Pluto was right? written in 2003, just two years <clears throat> after 9-11, and was already like, you know these wars in the Middle East are bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. 2003 is the year of the start of the war in Iraq. So. Yes, yes. So that is the probably mm. the more... Uh, quote-unquote correct um, Mm -hmm. analogy to use, but I think it's very telling that even here in 2023, unfortunately, that Mm -hmm. many of those parallels still hold a great degree of thematic weight. And that's before uh, we're even getting to the, like... AI stuff, right? Like, also... It's like, Jell, as the person with the least experience with Pluto here, technically, like, what did you think about that episode, basically? Um, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I thought it. I thought it was great. I mean, the it, it it's sort of like the <laughs> it's like the 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 anime of the year prestige content. I feel like we've been missing this year. <laughs> right, that makes right, sense. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, like something something that has like actual substance to it, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm, is not right. just you know, wow, cool robot. Although I suppose mm-hmm. there is some of that, but uh, <laughs> not like yeah. we. We joke, but this is clearly a prestige production, right? It has mm-hmm. your hour-length episodes. It has like a bespoke opening that is not some J-pop song they like salvaged somewhere. It is very much supposed to be like just like how how Urasawa's manga are also marketed here in the West, right? It is clearly supposed to be a different breed of anime. You know, this is not your this is not your little nephews ninjas punching each other this uh, is manga. HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is not a manga. This is a graphic novel. Right. <laughs> I mean, even yeah. even Urasawa's art style, right? Like, we should be clear yeah, yeah, if you yeah. haven't like seen Pluto. Its characters are not. I mean, they are clearly anime inspired, mm-hmm. but like. It's a lot of middle-aged men. It's a lot of people with very diverse like faces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, if there's anything Urasawa is known for as an artist, it's his ability to draw very distinctive characters. You know, he has yeah. he, he draws he draws you know those memorable faces, those like those faces of like guys who've been through some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they all and, and they all and look I, very very like. Very distinctive. And, yeah. and they all have I'll different just... noses and and different eyebrows and different cheekbones and stuff like that. So like the complete opposite of the sort of same face thing we often have in anime. Yeah, I'd say I kind of talked about that with Under Ninja like last time mm. too, where I, I like I like when you have a variety of faces, right? But I would just right. follow up like. I, I know previously in the past I have used that sort of quote unquote prestige thing as a derogatory term when we're talking right. about mm-hmm. like yeah, absolutely you, you know what it was things like that or like <laughs> Trigun Stampede earlier this year right like was that this but, year? my god but I don't feel like and, and and you know I haven't had time to really process what the difference is but it doesn't I don't get that out of this like it does have that prestige feel but it feels like it has actual substance to it I mean because this this fits the prestige aesthetic you know when they did it with Chainsaw Man it did make sense because Chainsaw Man was a <laughs> show a, about a guy a of... who is made of chainsaws right exactly whereas yeah. this mm-hmm. is 
you know, this, this actual is, yeah, this could stand next to, to I'm not yeah. saying it's as good, but it could stand next to like a Blade Runner, for example, in terms right. of like combining quote unquote schlocky tropes with real like musings on the condition of human of humanity and this and that. So, right. so I think I was gonna say I think the reason why Pluto can get away with its prestige styling is because you know Pluto clearly has something it wants to say. It mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. has a thesis and it is fairly confident in it. And you know whether like you like agree with its thesis or not, uh, I think that like Pluto clearly has a message that it feels it is imperative to communicate to its viewers, and that confidence and that sort of like clarity of purpose. I think gels very well with, yeah, the very like prestige way in which it carries itself. Yeah. What I do find interesting about the production is, is that it's, um, they obviously worked very hard on this. Lots of people worked on this, but you can also see that in the production because it's a little bit, uh, occasionally, and I'm I'm not sure if this is a criticism, but it's like occasionally you see that you have very different artistic hands. Yeah. At work, you will have you could have, for example, a scene that is very naturalistic hey, that is that is shot as if it were a live action series with actual actors standing on a set, and then all of a sudden it can shift entirely into a more animation style so like with smears and stretching and and lines becoming thicker and thinner to to show intensity there's a combination of like hand-drawn stuff really well done cgi and i can't shake the feeling there's even some live action sort of integrated in some way or like rotoscoping of some kind yeah but very photorealistic like very photorealistic looking fire and explosions and things like that and i think that is like i mean i I totally get where you're coming from aqua i Mm. i'm I'm not like i guess that's the thing having only watched one episode i think i need to see more to know like is this just Mm. a is this is just some aspect of the first episode, or is this indicative of the production as a whole? Because I mean, the thing is, this is also just the reality of making a right project like this. You know, eight mm. hour long episodes, <laughs> animated at the highest quality. Of course, you're gonna outsource stuff. Of course, you're going yeah. to give different people responsibility over different shots, different scenes. Right. So, I of mean, course, you're gonna end up with something yeah. that is so, some of its parts. That's right? also I did, sort of how anime is produced. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did. I did read. I think it might have been on the Wikipedia page, but the uh, I, I read that they had help from diff- a different studio on each episode, and I wonder if that's mm-hmm. going to be like. Hmm. Are they going to have a slightly different style for every robot or something? Wait until you see episode five, the trigger episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, which which of the strongest robots would trigger do? You think? Yeah. So that's one of the I'm going to be Brando, right? It had yeah. to be Brando. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm going to be looking for moving into episode two. Is like, are we going to see a dramatic style shift right. at all, or right. it, or not? But I guess that would make sense if they were going to do it. Like, let's get different help for each mm-hmm. robot or something. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I, 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 I like I really like the first episode. Uh, you know, it, I feel like it's been a while since we've had, right. or I've personally watched an anime that had some, like, something to say. Something and, that actually, like, sinks its claws into you. Right? And, and, and that, that there's, like, you know, we're touching on 
very mm-hmm. relevant themes, even though this was 20 years ago that this manga started. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's one of these things of like, it's really odd because this is something that shows up a lot in, in anime, right? We had similar themes in something like the gene of AI last season. We had Vivi. We've had Nier Automata. You know, all those stories right. that are about how humanity transcends flesh or, or what is the... It's do do androids mm-hmm. dream of electric sheep, right? It is the the idea of right. like what makes and 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 I find it interesting. I wonder if this is an this is a topic that speaks particularly to the Japanese or the I Japanese th- entertainment industry. I, th- I think it does because the right. background in animism. Uh, right, yeah. that is true, and because they also have you know they are a country known for technological development and and i mean i was was, the the religious and spiritual aspect yeah i mean i was i was immediately watching this thinking of like the you know people having funerals for their ibo right Right, exactly yeah Uh so there is there's some of that but but as far as like you know obviously as we are at the very you know infancy of whatever we're calling ai these days and already yeah, yeah. grappling with Foreign the ethical models, uh, i mean already, because the, already grappling with like the ethical right and, like but the thing know, is the ai that pluto presupposes is completely different from what the ai we have now is and what the discussion regarding ai is about. yes yes right. i understand like, that, if you but would like, ask me I, can can north number two like <laughs> compose a beautiful symphony i would say yes if you ask me can like you know chat gtp uh, right. GPT make a beautiful symphony i would say no like I, I think I, yeah absolutely like i'm not things. i'm not i'm not i'm not in support of what we're currently calling ai at all i'm just right, saying right, right. that the the question of when, where do you, when does that line cross over from right. what we have now to what we see in the anime? Oh, but you see, it's the Turing test, chill. And, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, that's not necessarily a easy question to answer, and that's right, right, a right. fun thing to explore, right? Yeah. So again, that just, and I, and I suppose that's something that's always been relevant through time here, but it feels even more relevant right now as we feel like, or at least people think they are, uh, you know entering in this territory now but But the thing is like this is a timeless timeless theme because we as humans have always been fascinated with the concept of humanity right what makes something human like the very first science fiction story ever frankenstein is about that question right so this is something that that is a kind of timeless question you know like what is humanity can we make a human or do you become uh, do you detroit become a human (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh god (laughs) you know it all suits i think like even just pointing that out like really does like make it very obvious the difference between like a work like a Pluto, you know, what what it is trying to say about like AI personhood and I think the very clumsy attempts that we have seen. Yes, not all these are good. Many of them are bad. <laughs> generally Western media, right? Mm-hmm. Like and sometimes I mean we've been talking about this this animism stuff and all this stuff. But I sometimes wonder if it's just as simple as like Japanese audiences have had decades to be primed to just accept like non-human or at least on paper non-human characters as characters worthy of empathy and mm. yeah you know like it's that it's that scene from like robot. Funny animals like 
and right, the West, exactly. and the West is Will Smith asking, "Can a robot compose a beautiful <laughs> symphony?" And Japan is the robot saying, "I don't know, can you?" Yeah, <laughs> there's exactly. that one. There's that. There's that one that tweet with David Cage, right? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. can a robot become a human? Uh, Yoko Taro, can a human become a human? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, yeah, no, but I, 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 oh, I, I guess, I guess, you know what I'm, what I'm saying is like, it becomes more relevant the closer we get to technology at least looking like the science fiction version that we've been admiring right. right so like i thought i i was i was thinking of like when uh you know rest in peace robbie when he dies and, uh, <laughs> robbie, they, they, the they go to see his wife and then she robot. answers the door and she oh, looks kind of she looks kind of like a robot you would see now like like they yeah, have yeah. cafes like that a, have yeah. robots right. that look like that right and it's like we're we're starting as we start to bridge that gap at least on the surface you know mm. that question becomes more interesting so yeah, it's just, i i actually you. love like for better or worse like i Eero, i totally agree that like this first episode does feel a little disjointed because it's simply covering like it should have been two episodes the, right the first That's... volume of the manga essentially mm -hmm. but i do think that something can be said about it's like intentional like one two three combo of like mm -hmm. three characters it posits like it uses to communicate to the viewer immediately. Like I remember when I read Pluto for the first time, and it, the transition, the transition from Mont Blanc's death to Robbie and like all the stuff with his wife to North Number Two mm -hmm. is like such a strong sequence mm -hmm. of communicating. This is what this story is really right. about. Right? Yeah, I, like, I will you, say. You, you, go ahead, Joe. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Iroh. You, you go first. Yeah, you yeah. have the like Mont Blanc dies, and you have this like international pouring out of like love and care mm. for Mont Blanc. They build this pedestal, for, but right for him and all that. And then, yeah, Robbie thrown in a dumpster. Rob, Robbie right? dies. Yeah, he's thrown in the dumpster. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and so, you need to be clear. Like again, Astro Boys in a world where all robots have personhood, right? It, like this needs to be like really hammered, no matter what they look like, right? All robots mm -hmm. in Astro Boy have personhood, and the difference between Mont Blanc and Robbie's like treatment after their deaths. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like his part, like Robbie's partner was pretty upset that Robbie died. Yeah. Like it was Robbie yeah, the robot. Treated, yeah. Right. Um, so but through the institution, he is treated like an object, you know? right? Like, like exactly. a drone. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, in terms of the, the, I guess format or length of the first episode, it would make sense to split it into two episodes. Like, like if they had ended it at the, you know, when they they kind of mm -hmm. give the reveal of what this is going to be, that he's got to, mm -hmm. we're going to have to you know, check in on this, the most powerful robots, right? Like that, that you could have made that at the end of episode one. And I would have been, that would have been more than enough to keep me interested to watch. But I felt mm -hmm. like that what would be like, I guess the second or even third episode by the time you get to the, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the whole second story, like that's what it was like. Oh, that's, that's where they got me. Like, <laughs> that was, right. it was like, yeah. okay, this is what, this is like, what this is what we're dealing with. Like, the, the, like so I, I I probably would have watched the second episode anyway right. even if right. Um, right, right. That, but that is true up, like but... the, the pacing if this had been three episodes the pacing would have been weird I would because... have two episodes of irregular like right like of 
like longer right. than a regular yeah, 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 yeah. episode. Right, yeah, But if you made it like three together. regular length episodes, oh, no, 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 you would no, have no. a very long drawn out prologue. You would have a very long drawn out conversation with Robot Hannibal Lecter, and then you would have like <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. that whole bit with Duncan and North Number Two would be too short. Like, yes, yeah. right, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it works. Actually, I, think, but... I think in the grand scheme, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. It's just like one of those one of those realities of when you adapt source material, you kind of have to kind of fit it as best you can. To yes, the and also working in. it really doesn't matter because we live in an era <laughs> of no. I mean, literally, yeah. this is yeah. Netflix. People yeah. pause and start watching again yeah. when they oh, feel yeah, like totally. it. They yeah. don't stop after one episode. It's like the people decide their own yeah. pacing. Like yeah, yeah. right, yeah. So, for better or worse, like. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. Unless to say Martin for... Scorsese has something to say about <laughs> it, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a lot for one episode to say. And I wanted to give that all time to. Uh, I mean, we were talking we about say, three cause... episodes essentially. Yeah, so yeah. Not that um, Speaking of three episodes, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I wanted to I wanted to have uh, time to get all our thoughts on it because I think this is a this one's a contender. So right, uh, yeah, right, definitely. right. If we can finish it before the end of the year, we can finish it in time. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. It's, yeah I'm gonna have uh, well, to. I'm gonna fit, fit this and Vinland Saga before the end of the year. Yeah. Well, well. Shout out, to, shout out to North Number Two, the second yep. realist to ever do it. Yeah. Only After because. No, I was gonna say because because Molten Blanc was actually the realist to ever do it. I don't know why, man. I can't like. Okay, I'll say that there is some there are some flashbacks to Molten Blanc that like really put the character together for me. But like for some reason, even I get kind of misty eyed every time I have to go through Molten Blanc dying again. Like I don't know why. I just feel a great sense of sympathy and empathy for this chicken headed Swiss robot. (laughs) I don't. I I feel like his design is perfect. For like, yeah, right. Because I mean, for like um, invoking the yeah. correct emotions. It's just this Tezuka, like, yeah, yeah, chicken robot, yeah. <laughs> wearing dungarees, <laughs> like all of these, all of these like gruff noir men, and then this one robot <laughs> from the sixties. Yeah, exactly. like something about great. him, something about him being the first murder victim is like it's so <laughs> fucked up. It's damn like it, why, why Mont Blanc, why him? He's the best of us. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> it is. I yeah. mean, it's. I mean, it's so good because you're going to meet some of the other world's strongest robots and they'll like crack open a beer and be like, tr- they will literally say Mont Blanc was the best of us and they'll flash back <laughs> yeah. to this fucking chicken headed robot. I mean, it, this is like you're watching like yeah. a serious like David Fincher serial killer movie, except all the murder victims are Muppets. <laughs> that'd be sick though. Oh, that'd be great though. <laughs> I'd watch that. All right. The murders, yeah. I, if, I, I think unless anybody has any other points they want to get in, we need to move on but i think uh, so yeah that's uh we're off to a really great start on that one yeah all right let's talk about um apothecary diaries yeah mm-hmm. it's fine it's good all right do you have anything <laughs> yeah. you'd like to share on, um episode four had like a div- clearly different episode right. director story right. order and had a bunch of <laughs> crazy character animation like yeah. for mundane like, tasks all right it uh, was very like it was very like are, are we t- i mean it reminded talking... me of 
I'm are we sorry. talking goofy anime faces, or are we talking like no. strangely, strangely well animated uh, strangely cooking well or animated. something? Right, okay. Because the show overall is relatively lighthearted and has kind of like this goofy vibe. Like you will have mm-hmm. characters being like shibby and like you know people getting like injured in comical ways, and the golden rule of something is funnier if there are fewer animation frames. All of mm-hmm. being applied, all of that <laughs> stuff. But this episode had some of it but, but but it was mostly focused on like really like detailed slow meticulous portrayals mm. of very domestic very regular things like it really right. s- focusing on like humanizing the mm-hmm. characters through movement yeah yeah that's always fun yeah like yeah. the the premise of the this latest ep- or not latest because we've only watched yeah. episode four. Right, here, right, right. Is um, basically Mao Mao's reputation as an apothecary has reached even the ears of the emperor himself. And... Right, the emperor who just randomly shows up at the beginning of the episode. Yes, and I mean it's really weird because he's talked about as he as a you know quote-unquote Chinese emperor in of that era was talked about, like, basically a god. god and, then Earth, yes. and then he shows up in this episode, and there's just some guy, and He's just you, a to, guy. you, like, blink twice, and you're like, oh, wait, that's the emperor? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it works well, yeah. right? Because in mm. many ways, it's almost like the emperor is sort of just a means to, like, move this story in a certain right. direction. Right? I mean, he is and also is... just a cog in yes. the machine that is the court, you know? Right. Like, but, uh, but yeah, Emperor basically wants Mao Mao to uh, uh, to cure or at least uh, nurse uh, the other head concubine, uh, Li. The Li blue Wa? concubine. Yeah, Li, <laughs> yeah. yes, who, whose child also died because she did not heed Mao yes. Mao's warning. Mm-hmm. And it's episode. important because her child was the only male heir. Right. Yes. yes. And uh, basically, Mao Mao is given the task of like nursing her back to health, but has to deal with uh, Li Yua's um, like. Very, very catty, very yeah, well, very court, yeah. yes, very court politicsy oriented uh, uh, handmaidens. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed this episode because I mean, well, I enjoyed the parts of this episode that kind of get into the like, you know, you know, the 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 musings and the struggles of mortality and life and like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And especially in a time period like this, where it's like, you know, that kind of like, look, infant mortality, even without, you know, arsenic right. l- laced uh, uh, cosmetics, infant <laughs> mortality was still fairly high in any era before right. modern medicine. Like basically one and two, right? Like, right. And like, and so it's, I think it's easy to kind of fall into that trap of, oh, people back in the day just didn't care as much. But it's like, no, oh, I think yeah. they probably cared a lot. It's just that you didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, female like authored history like histories mm-hmm. written of that period so it's like of mm-hmm. course a lot of you know this, this is actually like a, a a growing like theory in historiography is that oh do people actually not care about infant mortality or is that that most history was written by like aristocratic men right and so who only right. cared about infants if they were like heirs or right. whether they were and, heirs or not heirs like yeah and, and so we don't actually really know a great deal of how did mothers in history feel about their deceased children Mm-hmm. And the growing suspicion is actually they probably cared a lot because that's what humans do, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. But yeah. and and that kind of they kind of get into that in this episode pretty well. I, I will say this episode does get a little like I don't know, like how do I put it? Um, 
kind of like YA novel like power fantasy yes it is very Mao knows how to cure everybody there's a lot of these dumb bitches getting in the way I mean it is very funny to see Mao Mao do like a complete character 180 when she finds out that the one handmaiden has still been using the the like poisonous makeup and she's like giving the like freaking you you foolish woman how dare you like it is like yeah yeah it's very weird what i did like was the fact that it is so dull and mundane like there was no like big murder attempt there was no like massive like Mm-hmm. big virus or a massive sort of poisoning or anything it was just someone three months and see this person back to health because they almost died right and the quote-unquote culprit is like just this woman who was just not negligent very, right was not very smart and it was like oh yes i oh yeah i guess i didn't i wasn't allowed to use this uh this makeup anymore oops sorry like mm-hmm. yeah I mean, very unrealistic that she, you know, doesn't get arrested and caned and hanged, but, uh, yeah. Right. Well, they did well, mention that the eunuch responsible for, um... Was supposed to collect all the powder and... Was, right, was, right, right. Was, was punished with flagellation, so it's right. like... They don't show it, but there is still that implication that, like, there are... It is still fairly high stakes in the concubine's court, you know? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Um, well... I am uh, looking at this clip that you posted, Iro, and <laughs> yes, I can appreciate the unnecessarily well-animated two people eating at yeah. the table here. <laughs> but uh, I do like there's like a weird running gag in the episode of like Mau Mau getting kicked out of uh, yes, rooms. Yeah. But what I really like is that it sort of combines, uh, like, it, because you always get the shot of like viewed from the side, you know, the, the, yeah. the like paper... Mm paper sliding door and then the outside and they always use that as an establishing shot to show like the intrigue that is going on inside and what the people outside aren't allowed to know and it's very like artsy and filmy and then but they also always recycle that shots to do the dumb running gag of getting kicked out like (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's pretty Um, nice like a way to combine Right. Quote unquote high bro and low bro cinematic motifs. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Nicely done. Well, it sounds like that's a fun show, if yeah. nothing too crazy, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. It is a perfectly, like, yeah. It's a I perfectly, mean, honestly, like, <laughs> enjoyable show. I would, I mean, I would compare it to Mushishi because Mushishi is also like, oh, the doctor Ooh. arrives in a new mm-hmm. town. And then, and then, Doctor, Doctor, we have this bullshit problem. We try to solve it with this bullshit method. And then the Doctor's like, no, 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 no. Obviously, you shouldn't do that. You should use my bullshit method. And then I they mean, use that. It kind of sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like the type of show that I'm usually the only one watching and not the other way around. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say it, like, it has better vibes. It has... More yeah, personal gonna, drama, I, but it's, it sort of reminded me of that. No, I, of like, I totally, I, this is not a show about medicine. You're like, this no. is like all the medicine is made up. Yeah, like right. <laughs> that one specific aspect. There's no medicine. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's we got we got to we got to move on. So mm-hmm. let's uh, go on to Spy Family season two. Spy Family. I have caught up on this. Hooray! I've watched all the episodes. Hooray. Spy and Family. 
let, let me just say uh, it, I felt a little weird. To, it was very weird to me that they did episode two and three as like these like throwaway Damien Yuri episodes. Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I know that was last episode that we talked about that, but in, in the grand scheme of things, as I have now watched, I think we're five episodes in now, like I, I'm surprised they didn't just jump into the next arc and then you throw those in the middle of the season, but because whatever. the next arc is long. <laughs> okay. Or throw them in the, you know, somewhere in the tail end when you're trying to get to right. the end or whatever, right? It felt but... long when we were reading the manga. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we're still yeah. on our boat. Hey, well, merc- mercifully, yeah. Yeah. mercifully, these two episodes do bring us back to the Forger family. We yeah. have, but well, well, one episode before we get to the boat arc uh, is the uh, uh, Anya's quest for the magic macaroons, right? Yes. Which was <laughs> the pastry yeah. of knowledge. That's a good yes. one. Um, yeah. so that was, that was very good. And, uh, yeah, then we, we get, we get into the setup for what looks like it's going to be the next, uh, the next actual story arc. Yeah. Um, which is some much needed, uh, I guess family vacation, family vacation, some your screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do feel like yours position has always been like the weirdest one to me yes. <laughs> with her being like the, you know her almost split personality of uh, you know <laughs> how how she is most of the time, and then how she is when she's you know the Thorn Princess or whatever. Right, like it's it's that weird thing of like like Lloyd is kind of allowed Lloyd's background as a spy is allowed to be played for both drama and comedy, whereas like yours physical prowess for much of spy family is almost just purely comic relief. Right, look how right. fast you can throw this ball. Look how fast you can jump off a building look you know all this stuff right like and how she can think, smash this uh exoskeleton that i spent 10 years yeah just on. R- yes. rip it with her bare hands and huck it right it's it's yeah. uh and i think so i guess for some the boat arc is considered like, like many boat arcs in manga is <laughs> controversial um but i think personally i broadly came away from it i I think it is a very necessary arc because it is an opportunity to finally like put yours double life into focus. You know, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. premise of this arc is basically um, yours given a mission to uh, uh, protect an important VIP on this cruise liner. And it's just like at the same time, Lloyd and Anya like end up there. Right. Like basically, yeah, right. And Yor has to kind of like maintain the cover that she's there for a business trip while like, you know, <laughs> doing her job. Well, also, her family's here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. And, you know, Anya, and, gonna and, Anya, I guess. And <laughs> yeah. And, and and there's a, you know, bits of her questioning. Why am I still doing this? Right. Cause right. She doesn't need to take care of her brother anymore, which is which that's the part I'm talking about where that I feel like her. Not, not that I take much of the plot of Spice family seriously or whatever, but the mm-hmm. it is a little weird to me that she's why she's still doing it. Like that is a legitimate question I've had. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, um. So yeah, I, I think I think you know. I guess this is only the first episode, so I don't know what's going to happen. You all do, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. things go. Pre- things are. I'm sure things are going to predictably go very wrong as soon as they were like. Oh, I don't know if you guys actually watched that. I don't remember if you guys actually watched that episode yet. But the not yet. She she has her uh your her, her you know I guess ex mob wife is the VIP that she's protecting. Right. And she's like, right. oh, I want to take my 
my my little baby son out to get the, some fresh air, even though we were told to stay in the room where it's safe. And uh, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is going to go horribly wrong. Uh, so um, I mean, escort missions they tend to go oh, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So now this uh th- this arc was the greatest uh the the joke amongst the fan base is that this arc was the greatest battle fought between mm-hmm. uh Endo the author of Spy Fan Family <clears throat> and uh, his editor uh his his weekly Shonen Jump editor Lin uh the, for for those who are not aware Endo uh, right. has admitted that his personality tends to run much more dour and dark than Spy Family's uh, uh typical tone. Right. And so mm-hmm. he is the one who is constantly trying to inject like dark drama into Spy Family, whereas his <laughs> editor Lynn is like, "No, bro, it's got to be happy. Smile, think happy <laughs> thoughts, funny, <laughs> haha." Right? I mean, then yes. again, and- but this editor is also the famously the editor of Chainsaw Man. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's more that editor Lynn is just famous for like having a good handle on how to right, right, right of the works he was assigned to at its yeah right. absolutely and, and the joke is, is that he like this yeah. is where the like infamous oh and doesn't like anya thing comes from from that interview where he just said if like i was a bit surprised that spy family became my big hit because it is not exactly like mm-hmm. the manga i envisioned myself right. making which is totally like, normal like yeah it's like yeah absolutely. it's like it's like it's, right. it's just a silly clickbait like i'm sure that dude like cares about the work he does but it does speak to like how much a good editor can maybe bring out your like unintended right. strengths but uh but yeah no this this boat arc is some real like <laughs> is your gonna <laughs> how bad is it gonna go for your versus how funny is it gonna go for her and, yeah, yeah. and there is there's a lot of that in this boat arc of like is a child about to get murdered or is this about, <laughs> is a child about to get murdered for comedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean, so... we also get to look forward to like what will probably be like two straight episodes of your just murdering killing people i am I'm certainly on board with that. Uh, Killing the entire cast of a hypothetical No More Heroes four. Yeah, or, or like the entire the entire cast of like you know that one episode of every Lupin show where a yeah. bunch of assassins try to kill Lupin at the same time. Yeah, I mean you're you're arguably standing at the top of the pyramid of the problematic or the problematic waifu pyramid, right? But, uh, <laughs> at least in terms of body count, yes, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, not much more to say about it. I mean, they, they, th- this this episode was really more set up. Not a whole lot mm-hmm. actually happens yet, so we'll see as we get into it. And you know, other than that, it's Spy Family. There's still right. more, you know, lighthearted kind of fun joke stuff in there, but uh, it's good. So uh, I and I, I am looking forward to a, a some more your uh, finally so. <laughs> Yeah. Some some more your more your well now to go back to the bad anime yeah <laughs> so let's let's move on uh-huh. for the final time I will talk about sixteen bit <laughs> oh, yeah. right. oh this is this the final this is it yeah they, done? I, I I watched them I watched the two most recent episodes out of just like morbid curiosity at this point oh wow see, like, all right because I heading. only. I only watched uh, episode four. I did not have time to watch episode five. So I really want to know what it is about this fifth episode that finally broke you. Wait, 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 so, wait. Is it that they are working 
on the greatest visual novel of all time and they have their no. heroine already and mm. they're like hmm but she needs something iconic something like a catchphrase and that main character who has traveled back in time will say something why don't you make her say Ugu? no they've already that, that <laughs> ship ver, that specifically that ship specifically sails in the latest episode where that's oh. not possible anymore because <laughs> oh, that light dropped it then. Like, yeah, so <laughs> can't do it anymore. Like, oh, fuck yeah, I, I wouldn't say there is anything speci- like one specific thing. It's literally everything that the show has done in the past <laughs> two episodes. It's a really <laughs> bad show. I fucking hate myself every time I watch it. And the, like, the it's only miserable. the only oh, thing goodness. the only the only thing that I was enjoying like the weird like bits about how they made games, you know, in twenty. 20- to 30 right. years ago, there was kind of not really much of that at all in the past two episodes. Uh, also, so, that falls apart because of how the time travel works. Yeah, so the way that so they do finally lock in how the time travel works. And the way it works okay. is if you recall, the main girl received a box, bag right? full yeah. a bag full of old VNs from a mysterious game shop. Yeah. And when she opened a copy of the game, it teleported her back in time. So yes. the, the rules that have been established are that when she opens that specific game, she is taken to about when that game, the day that game gets released. Oh, okay. Right. But she doesn't then, go to like the studio that made the game. No, she just no, gets she goes, on, she like, goes, a scramble. well, she goes to basically, she goes to where her current job is, but it's an, it's another old VN studio that nobody. Right. Right, right. Right. And, and so, and then after, after the, that studio puts out their game. She goes back to her present day, and oh. so the 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 and rules. The important thing to note is that these VNs are one use only. Yes. So I was gonna I was gonna say like I think that's Why actually is this kinda... so needlessly complicated. I, actually, I actually think this is an interesting concept, but but it just doesn't. Only they don't really do anything times, with it. Right? Like, but yeah, basically, she has a limited amount of bullets, and she can pick when time she goes back. Right. Mm-hmm. So like. So By the time she moved the time stream in the correct or in the correct well, way. well, okay, like just, mode. everybody stop guessing because you're probably not going to get it because Sorry. it doesn't actually go anywhere because it's like yes, those are the logical. You, you guys are correct. Those are the logical ways where the story would go with way more interesting ways the with the more interesting ways. So like, I love all your ideas better. I'm just saying that's not what they do. Um, <laughs> the the um. Yeah, so so she can pick and choose when she goes back. And so, for example, after the second time, she's now figured everything out. She's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll pick the game that is the closest to the last time I was there. So she was so the last time she was there was 1996. So she picks Canon, which came out in 1999. And that's why she, we should, can no longer invent Ugu because it has now been invented <laughs> in the timeline. And she can't go also, back any fur- further. So this girl is like really fucking dumb because like, <laughs> yes, she they, is. They because uh, like she, some character just makes an offhand remark of like, if you're really a time traveler, then you shouldn't fuck around too much, or else you'll change the the future. And so explicitly, they have already shot themselves in the foot because now the character goes out of her way to not show off any of her like modern. Like character Ugh. design, or talk about any of the trends of like where game design is going, because then she goes, "Oh no, if I say that, then I'll change the future." So yeah. I can't tell them about like 
you know, where where, where the kawaii trends are shifting, you know? Right. And so it's so like, so we, don't, so we don't even get the fun of, like, her introducing, like, those concepts, like, yeah. years before they become, yeah. Then know, why is there things. even time travel involved yes. other than making the, main, making the main character go, oh, they did it like this back then! Like, that's, that's literally it! That's what we're trying. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. There is no answer to that question. There is no good answer to that question. The I think I think what they start to imply is that regardless of what she does, just her influence being there is changing the future because we see later on that um, games are disappearing off of her shelf in the modern day, uh, <laughs> and that the. Even though she has, she hasn't really done anything directly. The company that she's been popping in to help is much more successful than they were. Uh-huh. Um, so, her, like in the late, sheer enthusiasm for for the genre. Is... Yeah, and i th- I thought, I thought we were going to go somewhere fun with this because when when she leaves 1996, basically the big conflict, and I think this is probably as far as you watch G, was yeah. that the the main kid. He loves the PC ninety eight so much and refuses to program for Windows, and she has right. to convince him to program for Windows. And so the way he, the way they convince him is that you can also make the PC ninety eight version, and he's determined to keep the PC ninety eight alive because he has now he's now figured out he he deduces that you know since this girl he he actually believes her now that she's a time traveler, uh-huh. and since she had no idea what the PC ninety eight is, he's deduced <laughs> that the PC ninety eight has got has disappeared from has well, gone extinct wait, hold up in the future she's a big fan of retro no, visual novels but she doesn't know what a pc-98 is well i will now refer to g's statement that she's right. a complete idiot uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> so yeah she's really really dumb and she's always making references to the future and not occurring to her that these people have no idea what she's talking about anyway um so i thought and one of the reasons why I finally watched the the latest episode is like, okay, are they gonna are they gonna make it so this kid like overcomes the odds and makes the PC ninety eight continue to live on into the twenty twenties? It's like how the Sega Genesis still is like huge and in Brazil. That like, was not the case. Right? <laughs> oh okay. no! What actually happens? Nothing. Nothing happened. They God, just went man. on <laughs> the Windows games, and they were successful because of their I don't know passion they put into their game or whatever. And uh. And now they're talking, and and in the latest episode, it's like, oh well, now we're popular enough that we're going to get a an all ages console release. Oh and, yeah, and but new, uh... all the money's going to the boss's head. What's going to happen? And I'm like, I don't care about any of this. I just want to see the weird like how we made games, <laughs> the, the you know, 25 years like, ago. Really shitty about this premise that like, or or now that we know the rules of the time travel, it's like. The whole point of this was to like, like a pig in shit, languish in '90s <laughs> nostalgia, right? Wow, '92, yes. uh-huh. what a great year for video games, or whatever. '96, mm-hmm. but like now we're in '99, and the implication is the timeline's going to keep moving forward. And it's like, I don't yeah. want to reminisce about 2003, you assholes. Like that's yeah. that's not what I came <laughs> here for. Yeah, that's like, we're t- we're getting too close. Um, I want exactly. nostalgia, not bad nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they totally threw out the like it, it was just sitting there on a platter for them with the like she could have shown her future artwork. She does so part of I, I think part of convincing the kid was she does finally get her iPad to turn on, right? That's that was like the final straw that like he realized, oh, you must be from the future because you have this futuristic device. And she does oh, show him like one. Get it powered. 
the, well, the I, like the kid manages to like basically like jury rig an iPad to take double A AA batteries. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I mean, uh, theoretically, I mean, if you had, I mean, if you had a charger, you could still plug like the still plug into a wall. But I guess she doesn't have the charger. But um, anyway, she does turn on her iPad for a second, and he does see like one of her modern drawings. But mm-hmm. that's like the only thing that they even come close to getting into that territory. That so, part I, I kind of did appreciate, and this is not to like toot my own horn as an artist who lives in the 21st century, mm-hmm. but like, I am glad that they did lead into like, somebody from the 90s, if they saw how far digital art would go, yes. <laughs> would be completely fucking mind blown by like yeah. the filters and tools and all right. of the like, fancy ways in which digital can now like effortlessly emulate almost any medium. I mean, I remember this was like a few months ago you explained like full Photoshop brushes to me. Uh oh, yeah. right. I yes. was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and um That's how that's what people have meant all this time. That's how they do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So like yeah, if I, if I brought my, you know, iPad Pro 12.9 inch whatever to 1992 <laughs> and showed it to somebody that I I could I could convince them that I was a time traveler, right? You would burn down the stake for witchcraft. <laughs> so anyway, um all that saying the show sucks. It's failed me right. in every way and I'm done. All right. Then. <laughs> Let's move on. Rest in piss, sixteen. Let's let's talk about a good show. Also, wait Uh, a second. If it's nineteen ninety nine, why is the name of the show sixteen bits? Well, they started in nineteen ninety two. I mean, yeah, all the characters visibly aged, barely. Um, No, (laughs) Uh, the 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 main guy has glasses now, and he's now that he's aged from fifteen to twenty two, but he's otherwise looks the same. Let's let that show die, and let's talk about a good show. Let's talk about uh, Free Ren, and yeah. I have also marathoned this one. I've right. caught up. I watched seven episodes in the past Ooh, 40 hours damn. of Free Ren. Quite Free frankly, Ren. I don't quite remember where the line ends between what we talked about and, and uh, where we left off, but uh, Free it's, Ren, uh, once again, proving my theory that every manga ever, when left alone for too long will eventually turn into a shonen battle anime. <laughs> okay, so, okay, yes, that, that is where we left off was the, the, demon, yeah. the demons in the town and confronting the demons, yeah, yeah. right? Yes. So, I, I will say, I actually like, like, I don't, I, I don't want Free Ren to be a battle manga. I hope that's not permanently where we're headed. You get to do this once as a treat. Yes, as a a punctuation mark to the previous six episodes of like this slow, sort of like low stakes, you know, really chill, let's study magic adventure to we're fighting demons and it looks really good. Well, Uh, also, and also, most of all, oh, Freerun is literally indestructible, super mega, awesome, (laughs) cheat skill hero who isn't afraid of anything. But it feels cool this time. (laughs) It only feels cool once. Yes, yes. So that's what I'm saying. I don't want, I don't want Freerun to turn into this all the time. But as a, Mm -hmm. as a like, and you guys would know if it does or not, but I hope it doesn't. But as a like one time sort of punctuation mark here, uh, just to kind of like show off exactly how 
powerful Freeran is and all that. I, right. I, I, yeah, I, was, I you know, it's, it's the fucking world of cardboard thing, right? It's oh, right, Superman yes. has been chilling with all the regular people, and now he like has to cut loose for once. Like it's fun, right? Like in the same way that every now and then it's fun to eat ice cream for dinner. It is fun <laughs> to see like Freeran, a you know, Freeran. The character is doing the thing every single one of us wants a character like Oron in Final Fantasy X to actually do, <laughs> right? right? Of like, yeah. introduce the old veteran who from the last JRPG adventure, and he just kept all of his stats and equipment, right? That is... yeah. That's fragrant, yeah. and that's kind of I mean, what happens with, with it these was, episodes. It was—I don't remember which episode it was, but it was really badass when the demon comes to kill her in the prison, and he—and she's like, "Oh, you think you're stronger than me?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just—I'm just, I'm just like, no, I'm stronger than your boss." Than your boss. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I really, um, what I really like is that they sort of establish that the demons. The whole thing is like, oh, the demons only put on human affectations to get closer to their prey, right? And yeah, we talked about episode the like, last time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then in one episode, the demon leader is like musing philosophically about how his purpose is to research magic and to, you know, develop new spells. That is the purpose of his life. And I'm like, that's bullshit. The purpose of your life is to murder people. Yeah. And then you sort of, no, but then you sort of realize that that whole thing about researching magic is also kind of an affectation because when they're fighting, you realize that like, why would you need fancy blood magic when you have a spell where you point at someone and they explode? Like, yes, what would you need any uh-huh. other spell? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. think, uh, yeah, co- coming back to the demon thing, cause we did, we did cover that pretty extensively last mm-hmm. time, but I will say having seen it for myself now, I, it does feel a little weird because like right. I know they're yeah, saying I... I know what they're saying as the explanation of like, mm-hmm. you know, they're only using those words because they know they'll mm-hmm. elicit a response and they don't have any actual feelings right. or whatever. And I, I don't know. It's 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 an iffy like I didn't when you guys were describing it mm-hmm. last time, I was imagining like, you know, demon ass right? demons. Yeah. Yeah. Demon ass yeah. monster looking yeah, demons. Yeah, yeah. Dude earlier in the show. Right. Who's this, and, yeah. like hulking beast. Right. Yeah, and, and and then and then you know they show up and they're basically just Dude, people with horns, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, mm, right. yeah, I, I like, could I, see how I think, it right. feels uncomfortable. I think they yeah, I think they the go idea, through the great. Is like they have evolved into this shape to right, like, right. Better. And I, I think they go through great, great lengths to like keep it from being weirdly racist. But I mean, that's the thing. Right? <laughs> the thing is, like, we have been we here, quote unquote, in the quote unquote West, have been so brain poisoned by every fucking fantasy story ever trying to do a hackneyed racism metaphor yeah, and like, always failing job of it yeah, yeah right. and then here's the show that is just like no not that's not what yeah. this what this is going to be about here the demons are just demons and then it's we are really like, a lot of uh... we look at this and be like can you do that like yeah. <laughs> we, we always we're always like it's like well, there always has to be some kind of moral ambiguity or right, something right right but, and um, the thing is like at least when in, for example, D&D, they say, oh, there are no inherently evil races anymore. I get to feel that makes sense because at least in D&D, like the orcs, they are a people. They are a culture. You yes, know, they it, have individuals. They have a religion. They have uh, customs. Whereas here in Freerun, what do we know about the demons? We only know that they are the spawn of the demon king. They literally only exist as yeah. tools for his evil. It just, and in that regard, it make that makes it more like 
easier to stomach the fact that they are just evil and everything vaguely humanizing that they do is just affectation. Yeah. So that, and that's that's fine. I it just when you're seeing it on screen, you're like, oh, it's effective. Whatever they're doing is effective because you're like, oh, they they, they, they it feels like like empathy and yeah. And I I feel like even they're you know. I don't know if it's intentional or not trying drawing some parallel to the elves, right? Because like yeah. Freerun yeah, gives her holes. Yeah. And, and that's the like, point, is... right? Where we are meant to doubt Freerun. Like we are meant to right. think so, of like, hmm, are you sure Freerun? Like, are you sure you're not being yeah. a little little so, so, a little bit right, racist is, moment? Is, so like is Freerun like, being a racist grandma? Like yeah, or is yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think there is um like I said, they go through great lengths to cover mm. their tracks on that one. Mm. I think it's okay. It just I can see why and, some people raise eyebrows on that. And that's all well um, and good, but let's talk about how fucking cool the fight is. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I love I love I love like everything about it really. I love the whole premise of like you know, she has to she does have to entrust Fern and Stark to deal with the right. you know, mm-hmm. the, the demons in town so and, she can deal Brian. with the big problem and it's a good and, moment for them right because like you know this is sort of re-echoing the whole thing with stark and the dragon right which is that yes these two characters have always grown up under the shadows of like legendary heroes right aizen and freyrin mm-hmm. were both part of the heroes party not a heroes party the mm-hmm. heroes party and like the weird expectations they find themselves <laughs> trying to live up to and this episode is kind of again like no, you kids are all right. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, the is, thing is, this is why I've like talked about the show as like being isekai adjacent, but not falling into the same pitfalls because there are plenty of isekai shows out there that are like, and they were trained by the hero, so they're super strong and don't know that they're super strong, and just go mm-hmm. thinking that they're weak, they're weak, even though they're really strong, right? Right. Uh, and that's like incredibly tedious, and we all yes. hate it. But then here, like, because of the tone tonality of the show, it can it sort of digs into the uh, more into the idea of like they they are being held back by their own opinions of themselves, right? Right, right. Like, right. As the much as the show, no, oh, go ahead. The fact is that like Freerun and Eisen set the bar so high that Fern and Stark don't even realize they're pretty good themselves. Yes, like, right. Especially right. when you see like Fern just winning the fight against the, yeah. the demon leader by I mean, just spamming one spell. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but her magic is so primitive and, and simple. Wow, how could she possibly beat me? It's like, dude, she only needs one spell because yes. it's at something that kills demon spell. Enough times you will simply die. Yeah. Yes, yes, you know, like, I mean, Fern Wright is like, yes, we're using... Sorry, I'm spam- Sorry you can't jump over my Hadoukens, buddy. Yeah. I'm just spamming fire. It's such a cheap trick, but I do love when it's just like Fern and um, uh, uh, Lugner yeah. are in their like, you know, strongest sword versus strongest shield battle, right? Yeah. And like all Fern does is just increase the rapidity <laughs> of, of how fast she's shooting. Yeah, just she mm-hmm. increases her fire rate. It's like, yeah. The demon's like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
How can um, complex magic that involves me wounding myself to create a weird tentacle possibly lose against her, like, target-seeking missiles? Yeah. <laughs> good, old, good old rock, nothing beats that. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> on the flip side, you've got Stark fighting a uh, sorcerer with eight strength who right. took proficiency in axes, but uh, yeah. it's not working out for her. Um <laughs> Which you know that was also kind of the kind of a cool fight too, and uh, this show looks great. Like, yeah, it sure they, does. Um, they really went all out. They're like it's consistent. It looks great every episode. Great uh, fight choreography. Like yeah, they good, stepped good, like good they stepped it up. General, Even yeah. this show with its like laid back tone cannot resist doing the anime thing of like. Oh, it's like relatively laid back, and uh, but then as soon as they start fighting, everyone is a like world class gymnast and doing flips <laughs> and crazy yeah, wuxia uh, things. Like but, uh, <laughs> you know, shout out to even like the small moments, right? Like like, like you know, animated it. Stark putting a coat on, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the first person shots of like fur, like you know, the, the echoing right. like Fern and and Stark both getting that first person shot of like walking, and it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it's just, I, as I was, I was choking with Iro when we watched this episode. I said, "This is some real like, oh, we got the like, we got like that one web animator who has like four hundred thousand <laughs> followers on Twitter right. who work on this episode, sort of vibe, right?" Yeah, yeah. Eisen fighting like Yoda in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, something like that. You know, yeah, just like, a little guy spinning around. Not, yeah. not that this show will necessarily have be all fighting from now on, but no, absolutely but not. Like a thing to thematic thing. Like this sort of sets up a thing that will recur a lot thematically. Right. Which is like if you cannot imagine yourself winning a fight, you're not going to win the fight. Right. Yes. Right. The, the, thing second, is like- the second you real you like see the path to victory and de- decide to take the right. path to victory, you will win. I mean, right. Very shonen anime. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I care about Stark and Fern in their fights. I did not give a shit about Freerun murdering, like, a gazillion demons. Like... Right. Well, she she doesn't actually get to do that in the episode yet, but she's about right. to be great. But the, uh, like... Or I guess I, mean, I think it's just because like Frey Red is a character that holds so much more power than anybody else in the setting. Right, right. right like right. she, she, and and so it, it at least right now I would say like <clears throat> Frey Red is at her most compelling when it is her like grappling with like the relationships that she has inadvertently let you know literally die on the vine over her long lifespan. <laughs> right, <laughs> like because that is in a se- in essence where she is actually most vulnerable narratively. But right. when Freyrin's fighting, it's like, yeah, you know how this is going to go. Like, Look, <laughs> like, you like I said, it's cool the that they kind of needed to remind people what Freyrin is. Yes. Because for the last seven episodes, she's been mostly been like, oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, let's yeah, do this. I, like being the like sort of passive, super yes, like right. lazy garbage gremlin that the two yeah, have to take I mean, care of. Right. Like, it's, it's like she lets herself get eaten by the mimic because she's already level 20. It's like, what yeah, is this thing yeah. going to do to her anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a, I, I'm, I, I think it's cool as a like, you got to remind him sometimes. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Like you got to remind him sometimes. Know. Is this gonna know. be? Uh, <laughs> is this gonna be like that episode, Iro? Is it gonna be like this episode of Decca Ranger where Doggy Kruger transforms <laughs> and kicks everyone's ass, and then the right. next episode is about how the Decca Rangers need to learn not to always let in clean <laughs> yeah, all yeah, their yeah. messes? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of. So, 
Go ahead, Ira. Yeah, just, it, it's not going to beat us all the time. Right? Yes. And, yeah. it should, yeah. and it shouldn't be either, right? Yes. So at, as a, as a you know, like I said, it's like a punctuation mark to the mm-hmm. uh, things that we've been doing. I think it's really cool. And um, yeah, I think now having caught up and seen the full scope of everything Freeward's doing, it's I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it a lot. Um, yeah, there's, it's, there's a lot of... A lot of range to it. I feel like more than just the chill kind of, mm-hmm. you know, one-off little adventures or whatever. There's a lot of there's a lot of heart to it, a lot of charm, and sometimes the, it's cool action stuff too. I guess. So <laughs> I, yeah. I have a question though for Eero and G. Huh. Would it be have been possible to have this as the season finale? No, no, I don't like happen like this is. In, I mean, if you have an eight episode length. If you have a nine episode season, right, right. but there was there is no like cozy one off filler chapters after this that they could have moved to move this back to the season because finale. they they are con- they are still like constantly moving right right yeah, yeah. I, I think that is the main issue is that like once they like once the like core the the quote unquote core of the quest appears which is go to the north to find the place where Freyrin's master spoke with the dead mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. once that becomes the core like driving force behind their journey. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the narrative does like make it very explicit where they are relative to right, that journey. Right, right. Like the, the whole like 21 years since Himmel's death thing, like mm-hmm. kind of does. It's not quite a spy family. They can't quite. Right, right. Like, I, I think they could get away with like judiciously moving Some some things stuff, around, yeah. but like it would all be, it would all be within the same like hopper, so to speak between mm-hmm. the big climaxes. Right. So it's like, you could have like climax B, and between climax A and climax B, you could maybe switch some of those plot lines around. Right, right. right. Once you hit climax B, it's like no, no, that's that's like a narrative. Yeah, you can't bring things from yeah. after climax B to before climax B. Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're kind of stuck with this, and it does make me wonder how this anime is going to end. <laughs> well, they're going to get a couple extra episodes because of the way they started, yeah. right? Isn't that? I mean, this that... is going to be two cores, right? Yes. Oh, okay, that, that is true. Yeah. Yes. So th- there's there's a lot of time to figure that out. Yeah. So there's going to be like eight episodes of this. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will just say one more thing. My uh, my dungeon master brain watching this has been like, can I convert this into like a campaign or something? <laughs> like, Classic. <laughs> there's a lot of. Can I can I steal this episode into like some kind of uh, event or something? I don't oh, know. Oh, you what probably been... could. There's, there's, no there's a lot of good, notice. a lot of good material in there. In fact, there's um, probably modules out there already, like some <laughs> classic, uh, some classic D and D and D interpretation. But anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about Overtake. Gee, you're still watching this? I still am. Yes, um, though I am one episode behind, so I only have uh, episode five to talk about, I believe. Okay, but. Uh, I am still I am still watching this show for some reason. So um, lots of Sunday that, shows this season. Yeah, it's not a uh, ringing endorsement, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I I guess it's like I don't know. I I don't like. I don't know. Maybe maybe I do like the show, or maybe I like aspects of this show, and so that is why I'm still here. Um, but here, I might as well just describe like what the episode I saw was, which is uh. It's it's another race episode, except it's not the kind of race you think it is. Um, Uh-oh. This oh, week dear. they decide to run a five k. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, is it gonna be a t- team building exercise? Yeah, basically it they uh, uh um 
the the head of Komaki Motors, Komaki Senior, um, the the sort of like the the you know the 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 boisterous kind of goofy you know uh, owner of their like hometown race team uh, decides to uh, enroll uh, Haruka and uh, and uh, enroll members of his team in in this uh, this like kind of com- like community 5k kind of designed to attract uh, tourism to the area you, you know classic shit right sure and uh, so they are you know competing in this 5k as are um, uh, Belzorio, the the rival team that I've spoken about um, in a couple of past episodes. And so it is kind of this, like, they're racing, but not really racing, if that makes sense, right? Because, like, the they're, like, on the track rivalries come to a head, but in a completely different context. Um, and it kind of has the effect of, like... Um, I guess the intent of the episode is kind of to like humanize these racers in ways that they kind of can't on the actual racetrack because they are in cars. Um, the uh, the two the two Belsorio racers who I'm gonna who, whose names I actually try to remember this time around are uh, Satsuki and uh, 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 Toshiki. Uh, Satsuki is the like blonde haired wonderkind genius that I kind of mentioned like last podcast, whereas Toshiki is the kind of dour, hardworking one. And, right. you know, them and Haruka, so those three kind of lead the pack of this 5K, and it kind of kind of lets them just talk in a way you can't really do in a car race about what motivates them, where they came from, right? Like, Haruka and Toshiki kind of both realize, oh, like, as racers, they both come from, like, fairly, like, um, working-class backgrounds as car racers, right? Like, Haruka right. delivers... Right newspapers in his spare time toshiki was like a mover or something and like you know it's just just a classic like oh okay even though we have these like really really bitter rivalries between each other like at the end of the day you know we're all human yeah yeah we're all doing it for the love of the race and you know that's not going to mean we're going to become friends overnight but you know you are a human being and not just a like target of my. We've come uh, to terms. Yeah, essentially, essentially. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the episode, right? Like, there's <laughs> that's kind of it. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's like it, it's like they're racing, but also it's like it's like you know, it's 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 sort of a metaphor for their actual race careers. Them them running this five k, right? Like Satsuki, mm-hmm. the kind of blonde haired wonderkin ki- uh, genius kid, kind of goes on this like pretty long like um tangent about who i assume is a very famous racer <laughs> whose name i have already forgotten i'm sorry zig i'm sure he's a very important man um and how he won some big race in some car based event i don't <laughs> even know if it was f1 i'm just, really sorry this is so, so inspiring that when he won that guy won that race back then yeah, it's a real person. I I did double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was talking about a real person, and like his whole thesis is like this person went on to become one of the greatest racers of all time, basically because the guy who was like close and close neck and neck with him in this race suffered like catastrophic engine failure at the very last second. 
Right. And like oh. his I mean, that's, basic... this has happened multiple times throughout the history of F1. Right. So. Right. And, and his thesis <laughs> is basically what it actually makes what actually creates a legendary racer. Is it the strength of their machine? Is it the strength of the racer? And his thesis is no, it's luck. It's opportunity. So, yeah. Yes, it's yeah. opportunity. It is your ability to capitalize on favorable opportunities and mitigate unfavorable ones. And just as that happened, Haruka's like shoes, like the soles, like come off his shoes, and of course. he like, uh-huh. falls to the ground. And uh, real a subtle, good... yes, real yes, subtle. right. <laughs> there, there is a pretty good bit where um, where Koya, the photographer guy, like runs all the way to where Haruka is to be like, no, I won't let you like stop running. I'll always be behind you, as both your capital D Daddy and lowercase D Daddy. And yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, throws Haruka his pair of shoes, to which Haruka yeah. responds, "What the songs. fuck, old man? I'm not gonna wear your old man shoes." And just runs the rest of the race barefoot. <laughs> okay, right. so I looked it up, and the F1 driver that is being referred to is James Hunt, who yes, yes. was uh, in uh, the rival of Nicky Lauda. And yes, that is what they, they probably up. didn't mention is that the uh, quote-unquote engine failure that Lauda suffered also like burned off half of his face, as depicted they... in the pretty good movie Rush. <laughs> they did not mention that part, no. Yeah. They did not mention the part where he was immolated. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! But hey, that James Hunt guy seemed pretty cool. Am I right? Whoa. Yeah, he's played Yikes. by Thor. <laughs> well, so, all right. I'm I mean, still watching this show, I guess. I mean, you said this is really. I mean, it's really more of like a character show, right? So I mean, yes. it makes sense that that's what they're focused yeah. on. So I mean, it, it does end in a kind of a good, like, heartwarming bit where, like. Haruka enters the race because, like, one of the prizes for winning the race was five pounds of Wagyu meat. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's uh, that's actually a thing, isn't it? In 5Ks? Or, or, or you no, mean, like, no, no, it's it's not a prize for stuff? Like, I definitely remember there being a competition where, like, beef is the reward. <laughs> that's all right, man, honestly. Like that's, yeah, that might be one way to that might be one way to yeah, finally get me to run a 5k, and, but uh, yes. Yeah. And it turns out that Haruka really wanted to win that beef to give to the senior Komaki who like not only owns the team but like took Haruka in when he became orphaned and it's you know it's sort of a heartwarming yeah. like hey, yeah. you know, uh, this is a gift it. for you for all you've done for me. And it's like, "All right, kid, you're you're okay despite your like weirdly taciturn personality." Yeah. Um, maybe I'm also watching because Koya's ex-wife is like painfully attractive. <laughs> that also might oh, be. Oh yeah, yeah. Psycho, yeah. the the photographer lady. Like, god damn, damn. Yeah, yeah. She's got a lot of good-looking shots in this. Because uh, she episode. she was in the first episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. I'm still watching Overtake for some reason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll. Uh, I guess we'll have three episodes to catch up on next time, but yeah, we'll, we'll get uh, there. Let's uh, let's move on to Migi and Dolly. Still, probably my personal favorite show this season, and I feel like they really peaked with the the latest episode in particular. But both episodes are pretty good. The first one, just real quick, was both hilarious and disturbing because. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the, bo- the boys the twins uh, go to school and they they need to investigate the like the kid at the top of the class who's like this you know rich asshole or whatever and As the only do. way he'll 
The only way he'll talk to them is if, they, if they, they'll get his attention is so they can get their grades higher. But it turns out they are not <laughs> academically smart at all. Oh, really? <laughs> Which was very surprising to me. But they, uh-huh. they, they are very bad at school. And so uh, one day... One day, as I mean, they, you yeah, know, they grew up in an orphanage, like they as, as they learned a written thing. Well, the, the, the <laughs> like the, originally when the show starts, they're kind of painted as like these perfect, like right, you know, no, no, at all, yeah. super geniuses. Right, right, and they're, right. they're not at all. That's what the show has proven. So I actually far, really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they they have they're they other than their weird acrobatics that they can pull to appear as two <laughs> people, they're kind of bad at everything else. But uh, so. When you yeah. invested all of your skill points into athletics, uh, yeah, they they have yeah, like max acrobatics, dexterity. yes, yeah. max dexterity. But anyway, they so they're they're getting ready to study, and one of the boys walks into the library and sees this beautiful girl with long oh. hair and eyes just like their mother, and oh yeah, and she's and he tries to talk to her, and she and she's like. You know, I only talk to smart kids, and when you when you get your grades up, I will. Uh, oh no! <laughs> pop- pop- popularity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, will, I will. I will. talk to you. Uh, and is then this an it Asian is school thing. Because like, and then I, it is. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That that's that's not even one la- barely one layer to this. So, oh my god, it's revealed shortly thereafter. Uh huh. That this girl is actually the other brother. <laughs> oh my Trust god. A girl. What? To like uh, motivate, right? So he did not intentionally catfish his brother, but what? So they explain. <laughs> they explain in this like very haphazard, like you're not supposed to really even buy it way or whatever. He was trying to. They can't be seen in both both at the same time in school, right? Yeah. Right. So when he when he saw his brother in the library, he quickly grabbed a disguise, which happened to make him turn him into a beautiful girl. Ah, coincidence. And <laughs> and he was trying to just blend in, but then after his brother saw him and started talking to him, he realized, oh, I can use this to motivate my brother to get smart. Oh my god. <laughs> so then it switches over <laughs> to him intentionally catfishing his brother. Oh my god. <laughs> this sounds like a fucking blood from arrested development. <laughs> yes. This this is very this is very funny and goes completely off the rails Man. to the point where at the at the end. He ha- he has to he pro- he has to promise to go on a date with him if if he gets like a ninety <laughs> or something on his test or he gets a hundred on his test and he he eventually I think he ends up coming with some scheme to make it like she she like uh had moved to move away, away. Yeah. yeah or something and and uh, you know he he will never see her again and that was pretty funny hey man but you can't spell twincest without win. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so is the implica- <laughs> so I guess the implication here is that the brothers are so good at disguises they can fool each other. Uh, like- sure, I, I I think it was mostly just supposed to be funny, but uh, yeah, yes. I mean, that too. But just like you, you yes, think, right. like these two brothers They're- who live so close to each other, like constantly sw- switch places twin, with each yeah. other, you could just feel the presence of the other twin powers. Man. Yeah, I think I think there's that. There's also um they try to differentiate between the two of them. So like the older one is kind of like the smart and he's the one that pulls the scam. He is kind of like the smarter one and the other ones oh, the other kids sure. kind of the other kid the the younger one's kind of dumb and hot-headed. So like it would make more like the way they've characterized it, it would make more sense that he would be the one that would like fall for this, right? And right. that the other one would be cal- cold and calculating enough to actually do it. So <laughs> um but then the, the 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 second episode is like we actually get they actually start advancing the plot a little bit because they, they get into the rich kid's house and there's all sorts of details that start coming out. They actually do find 
some real shady business happening uh, within the house. Um, which of the adoptive parents? No, so so they they the the rich kids family that they were trying ah, okay. to yeah, get yeah, close yeah, yeah. to. They they finally get into his house and they've been looking for the house that, that so they remember when they were kids there was a house that they stayed in with their mother before she was murdered that had like like weird paisley wallpaper or something. So they're looking for the house with the, this wallpaper and they find the wallpaper in this house, but through various circumstances uh the older brother is essentially kidnapped and locked in a room and made to dress up like a baby. I'm not even going to get into the okay. details. All right. Uh, is that uh, this episode, the writer's poorly disguised fetish. I mean, yeah, this I, is just this is just a Yakuza sub story. Yeah, it, it really is. Kind of has some of that energy, and and so the so the other brother ends up, uh, you know, trying to investigate and 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 you know. The, the 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 brother that's dressed as the baby is basically playing along with it to buy time while the other brother's investigating and they find some really shady things going down and they shady stuff like yeah like they're dressing people like babies in there yeah like, well, i mean beyond that they find some things in the attic and whatnot and um it's like secret rooms and things and um this this is where the show is at a turning point for me because i'm definitely enjoying it and i think i will continue to enjoy it no matter what but I'm I'm kind of curious to see where they're going to go because at the end of this episode, uh, they have a th- there's a maid that's kind of been friends with them and she's helps she starts to, she cannot uh, overcome her maid urge to gossip and uh, oh, find yes. find the dirt on the family she's working for. Of course. So she's like helping investigate and then like some things go down where she decides to basically take the fall and it's implied that she might be dead. Oh. Um, oh, and I don't. One of two things is going to happen next episode. Either there's going to be some sort of like comical explanation for why she's not dead, or she will actually be dead. And <laughs> what if she's actually yeah. dead and it is comical? Or I guess that would be a third option. Yeah. But <laughs> what would you prefer in the situation, Joel? I don't know. I, th- I I would kind of want them to because I feel like they've kind of. A, a little bit backed off anytime they went somewhere kind of dark with this. Right. And I, and I, that's fine because I think it is supposed to be like black comedy, right? It's, so it's not supposed mm-hmm. to be like super heavy or anything, but I would like them to kind of commit to that. And I think it's possible because like, no matter what happens, their mother was murdered. Like right. they have clear memory. That like, past. You know, that's not you, on screen. I, I'm just saying yeah. like there is the capacity for murder in this show uh-huh. is, is what I'm saying. You know, yes, they, they, is an option. <laughs> they regularly flash back to their, you know, mother laying in a pool of blood and all that. Right. So, yeah. um, it's not impossible, but I'm, I'm leaning toward, there's going to be some sort of comedy explanation for the maid not being dead, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I feel like, that's going to kind of determine where the show is going to swing for me next episode. Do they decide to actually commit to this or um, cause it, cause this episode got like kind of, there was some, like some suspense, like they, they're like, right. they were, they were in the secret attic room and then they hear like, you know, footsteps coming in that, you know, they weren't supposed to be home at this right, time. Right. And, and, you know, there's, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, suspense for you Classic know suspense you know yeah, you hear yeah. people like climbing up the ladder to the attic and you uh-huh, know and, uh-huh. the, and then they don't show you what happens so like i would love for them to like kind of commit to that and not just like you know laugh about it next episode but i don't know right right we'll see 
Either way, though, I like I'm really enjoying it. It is a very weird and funny and disturbing mix of things that um, feels very unique to me. Uh, Gel, yeah, I got it. Maybe I got to get you on Twin Peaks. Yes, I know. We said that last time because yeah. I feel like even if even if this is not anime Twin Peaks, they're they're probably dealing in the same uh, vibes you know, here. Total right? cues, right? Yeah, Twin Peaks huge in Japan. So. And we. Yeah, we've already discussed that this is clearly a work that is influenced by that, right? So yeah. maybe that's yeah. God, now that, now, that, now that I'm becoming Twin Peaks pilled by. <laughs> well, Eero, you yeah. then it's your responsibility to come up with the good like podcast title that can somehow fit Glorio into it. Uh, for the Twin Peaks watchcast, oh damn God. Glorio yeah. coffee. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe maybe I'll get to that after all the other things I'm trying to marathon know, before right? the end of the yeah. year here. But uh... in all seriousness, though, I'm glad that it seems like the show is like bearing out well because I do remember when we first started talking about Miggy and Dolly, there was that feeling right. of like, you know, for better or worse, right? Apprehension, yeah. right? Because of you know the the, the other primary work from this uh, author, uh, rest in peace, uh, Sakamoto Kun, right? Right, and like. Did Sakamoto Kun like, die? But, oh. uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, the, yeah, because because uh, that work that work was very like one dimensional and right? kind of like yeah. yeah. And, and so it's no, cool this Dolly yeah, seems to be finding ways to keep it fresh despite the like you know absurdity of its premise. Yeah, and this this feels like a much more like mature sort of mm. like more developed, evolved work. So. You know, I mean, like it, it's it's a shame that the you know I would love to see what the author was coming up with next at this point, right? right? Because you like, see a clear evolution here, right? Yeah, right. Like yeah. it's clearly getting better in my opinion. Like, so yeah, yeah, like, using yeah. her strengths in like the sort of absurd, bow-faced comedy, but now combining it with something that yes. holds back the repetition. Yeah, because you you can see the same sort of deadpan humor here, but it's like a oh, lot yeah. more going a lot more going on. So it's yeah, I'm enjoying it, and yeah, it's. Uh, uh, it's just a shame that you know we we're, we're not going to get any, anything else after this. But yeah, all right, all right. Let's move on. And talk about Bullbuster. 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 All right. We, got some, we finally got some action. Have they fought a bull yet? No. no. Uh, fought a wolf, big lizard a, and a, a dog. A dog. <laughs> like an actual dog or an alien. I mean, yeah, like kind of. Over these episodes, it's sort of established. They they discover that the creatures are most likely just animals that are being transformed. Mutated like animals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're being right. infected by something and, and mutating. And of course, yeah. they find this out because one of them is looks just like one of the the, the pink haired girl's dog. That she had on the island, her precious. Oh, yeah. it even had, even it even still had the collar on, right? Uh-huh. So, her precious yeah. Shiba Inu, the universe. Oh, do they do a thing where you're like, you need to put the animal out of its misery, no, and then it turns out that they, was my dog. No, they try to. They realize this by checking the footage, and so they figure this is one. Maybe we can finally capture one live uh-huh. yeah. instead of killing it. Because, and like a a sort of like common plot point here is that the sort of the obstructive and negligent medical corporation that they are ostensibly partnered with has kind of stonewalled their every like attempt to get an inquiry into what is up with these monsters. 
mm-hmm. kind of says, well, if you deliver us a live specimen, we might be able to get more information for you, right? So Clearly expecting them to not be able to deliver right, a live specimen. Right, right. And yeah, right. as you naturally might expect, they successfully capture it and deliver it to the medical corporation, and they continue to stonewall the protagonists. Yes, yeah. and they even give them the evidence. do. Right, so, they even give them the evidence of, like, this was a dog, right? Like, and right. it's yeah. like, we found that this was a dog. We found that this was a mammal. To determine if it was a dog or not would require additional testing. Yeah. So right. is the implication that the bureaucrats are trying to cover something up? Like... I mean, I think it almost might just go as far as they're just negligent in the way I that think corporations. Right. I think that's. I think that's possible. Like, it would not surprise me if the big reveal was that they're the ones that caused this or whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's still possible. I, think I, I, like I, also I also don't think. I, I also think it could just be that this is the commentary on corporations being evil and useless, uh-huh. right? Because yeah. like they, the the hero, because because okay, so a big thing that comes up in the prior episode is that. In a very Godzilla-esque, like, style of, like, narrative escalation, some of these kaiju are learning how to swim. Like, they are evolving to swim. And right now, they are currently confined to the island. But, like, right. if they're learning to swim, that bodes really badly right. <laughs> right, right, right. For, for the future. The and they try, to com- yeah. they, try, they try to communicate this to their, like, you know, the liaison they have in the, in the, in the medical corporation. And he basically just shrugs his shoulders and says, that's not my problem. And the God, medical corporation it. is on the mainland, I'm assuming. Yes. I, yes. I hated that scene so much. They went too hard with that guy. But anyway. <laughs> a, a little too much. But like Yeah, he was like he was like cartoon villain uh, mm. in that scene. But I anyway. mean, like as Eero said, the characters in this latest episode are gesticulating like they're freaking ace attorney characters. Yes, yeah. right, exactly. Right, right. Like which like, does not feel like it fits the tone of the show, but yes. But um, yeah. I think at this point with Bullbuster, Bull I think I am maybe starting to hit that point you hit like last time, Gel, of right. like, okay, this is, I very much do appreciate the gimmick of, what was it called, Euro, the Economically Sensible Mecha series or yeah, whatever. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yes. But like, it's maybe leading, like, okay, here's the thing about Die Guard. Die Guard did a lot of this stuff, but the end of almost every episode, they beat the fucking shit out of some monster, you know? Right, right, right. Like, Whereas here they actually like consider the fact that them fighting would have serious repercussions that they would have to deal with for like episodes. Yeah, and we're getting we're getting like we're getting like one monster fight every like two point five episodes or something, right? right? But yeah, um, like the most exciting thing Bullbuster does in the latest episode is shoot a tree. Yeah, (laughs) I I I got yeah enemy tree. I I gotta I gotta say like. I don't know. I don't. I might. I might be done. Like, yeah. The the. I feel like I'm just getting nothing out of this show. Like, it's fine. The it. I because when when you're not. I don't feel like they're injecting enough of the unique mech part of mecha part of it into right. it. And it and mm-hmm. most of the time, like ninety percent of it is like average office comedy. <laughs> like, right, there's some, right. there's some there's some very good jokes. I'll give them that. Like, I loved the uh, the 15 minute joke. If you watched the episode, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But when uh, the the accountant guy is mm-hmm. like uh, sets his watch ahead, you're still minutes. on administrative leave. Yeah, so, yeah. Um. So so like there there's a couple of like there's a couple of pretty good jokes, but I feel like 90% of the time, this is just like kind of average middle of the road office comedy. I think that is also the issue, right? Is like, you mean this in this, like, sorry, you mean this in like that. It's not the mecha element doesn't really factor into it. As in this could have been a show about like 
the people who make sure the garbage gets picked up on time. Yeah, I mean, like it's that. not that like, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like it doesn't factor at all. I just don't think it factors enough. Like, right, I, right, I just, right. like I yeah, think, right. like I hate to keep comparing it to like a die guard or a pat labor, but like. Oh, well, those are the, those are the standards that of this right. Right. genre. Like, I mean, right. so, yeah. those are the frames of reference we have, right? Right, like those two are sort of the golden example of the like mecha workplace comedy, and the things that those two shows nail really well is like, well, a they were legitimately great workplace comedies, mm-hmm. but also <laughs> like a much of the humor came from the mecha part as well, right? Like much of yes. it came from the goofiness, like the absurdity of these men, like, you know, straight faced, you know, say, saying and doing these like, you know, utterly banal corporate things. And then in the background, like a fucking mm-hmm. robot is like fighting a forklift, you know, and <laughs> or like, like, like spoilers for Pat Labor, the movie, but it's like the core reason they can fight back is because like, the, their computer guy was lazy and didn't update the firmware when he was supposed to. Right? Yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, so it's the, like, last gen. Yeah, that's so like, the hacking virus or whatever doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, that's an so in this show, thing, right? I mean, this show, instead of that, we get, you know, we didn't, we don't have a, anybody that has a boat license to take the robot over there. And it's like, that's not like, they, and they take that one thing and drag it out for like four episodes. So, so, so like, here's the thing: the boating license joke was hilarious the first time around. Yes, like I right. thought, like like I truly fucking laughed my ass off the first time. They're like, "Oh shit, we can't legally transport this robot to the island because nobody right, has right, a right. boating license." That's the, funny con- the first time. Continues to be a problem I'm for four like episodes. A running like yeah issue yeah it it gets a little old the fifth time around they're 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 busting that joke out you know i mean i just think the thing is you need to you know you need to give them the carrot right you need to Mm -hmm. tell people you need to give people the payoff of finally getting to see the robot in action in order to make all of this like administration and bureaucracy worth it right Mm -hmm. right well, and I think some of that just needs to tie together a little bit better. I think, like, because yeah. even the it, mecha segments, like, the bureaucratic stuff doesn't really come up that much once the mech actually gets going, right? Like, they mm-hmm. they play up the like realism of it, you know, like the greatest threat to Bullbuster turns out to be mud, but like, <laughs> but it's never kinda- like. The fact that they would tell the pilot something like, oh, be be economical with the fuel, that stuff's really expensive, or like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I don't know. I guess it's like, I. They I, did I, almost... I want, I, I'd like to. I still want to believe in Bullbuster, yeah. but like, I, think, <laughs> I think it's like. It's just the caliber of joke is not quite as hard hitting as mm-hmm. I think we all hoped in that first episode. Yeah, I mean, the almost, it might just uh, also just be in a slump, as many shows are around. That is, this that is point, always possible right? as well. I, like, I, I kind of feel like this is what the show is at this point. It, it yeah. is what it is. But they did almost kill a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> that did that did happen. Yeah, yes. Coming. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, well, gee, if you had your reason to keep overtake, the only reason I'll keep watching, I would keep watching Bullbusters to uh, ship army with the, the new researcher girl. Um, oh yes, yes, the scientist lady. Sure, I'll ship. I'll ship that. Uh, other than that, I feel like oh, this is have... not doing much for me. 
evolved but. into the final form of the uh, oh media media consumer. Look, you know, the older <laughs> I get, I'm just giving into uh, you know whatever. Just watching here. things for the ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not fight. I'm not going to fight it anymore. I, I got. I have not. I have nothing to prove. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I. But yeah, I, I. I don't know. I don't know. If, I have so many other things to watch at this point. I don't know if I'm uh-huh. going to keep watching. We'll see. All right. Well, speaking of so many things to watch, you know, <laughs> oh my god! Let's talk about Under Ninja. Um, so so you only saw that saw one. You didn't see the latest episode. Yeah, yeah. Because the latest episode, I think, was arguably the best episode. They've oh, had. great! Well, glad to hear it. Okay. Well, um, someone who has watched, read the manga, tell me what happens in the latest episode. Uh, well, you know what? Let, let's before we get to that, let's get to sure, the, sure. the the one that we did. You guys did let, watch. Let us let us conclude the Dick Slicing Foreigner arc. <laughs> yes, we have the conclusion to the. We have to say that at least once per podcast. Uh, yes. We conclude yes. the Dick Slicing Foreigner po- uh, mm-hmm. uh, arc. Uh, yep. He 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 joins the ninjas. Uh, the joke going around is that there are a lot of people regretting not taking up Mr. Breast Milk on his offer. Um, <laughs> as is revealed uh-huh. that he is a hot ninja lady. Yes. Um, in a fat I, suit. I, like. Yeah. I don't really know if much else happens in that episode, but that's... Because that like, they take down Dick Slice and Foreigner because like three, or n- three ninjas sort of happen to converge on that apartment building at the same time, right? right. Yes. And it's like, and he's fighting off all of these dudes with his weird little pistol until yeah, little he like... gets into it. He gets into the getaway vehicle and Kuro's just there. Right. Sucker yes. punches him. Yeah. yeah. Just and waiting like, in the fucking passenger seat. It's sort of continuing the like question, open question slash implication that like Kuro is actually a pretty fucking good ninja. He's just yes. despite being like a weird dirtbag. He's you just know? at the bottom of the, the Yeah. But he's actually like actually good, very good. Right? Yeah, and, well, I mean, well, he's good at what a ninja's of... actually supposed to do. Yeah, right? like, like, and, the, the kind of yeah. the joke is like you have Miracle Hebe, you have the, the glasses lady, like, you know, like, yeah. and they're doing all their ninja, and ninja shit, open, and drop, yeah. you know, drop kicks and throwing, you know, ninja gadgets. But at the end of the day, what is a ninja actually supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Which is like hide in places and then kill and, somebody. Right. Yeah, right. right. And it's like, so, which ironically makes it also means he does not stand out. AKA mm-hmm. things ninjas are supposed to be, right? Yeah. Right. And I, uh, yeah, and I think that ki- this is kind of highlighting just the, the, what continues to be my main problem with the show is the horrible directing and structure of it all. Yeah. Where <laughs> it's like now, now, they, now we are understanding why Kuro was hired to do this other, was chosen to do this other job, and everybody thinks he's, you know, better than the other ninjas or whatever, right? So, mm-hmm. but it, we went in such a like roundabout and way of getting there. Right. And it's just like that. That's just, I, I, I really wanted them to stop doing that by like the, the second or third episode. And it's no, we're, we're just committed to, we're telling like four different stories at once at different times. And it's not adding anything to any mm. of the story, but um, moving on to the latest episode. um, We're, we're, we, I guess, are we skipping ahead behind? I don't know. To, um, <laughs> this is basically when, when Kuru is, Kuro is infiltrating the high school. Right. And he, um, is like scamming the teachers in, <laughs> in a lot of very fun, amusing ways. Oh, is this like the entrance exam? 
be yes. like, yes, yeah, all right, pretty, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, if if Ira hasn't watched it yet, I'm not going to spoil everything. Yeah. Just but long, but he, long, yeah, yeah, he he he's going through a lot of like really. This is where he started to cross into a lovable dirtbag for me because okay. of how yeah. how he was scamming his way through all of this. He meets he meets they introduce yet another character. He meets this like formerly rich popular girl or whatever who's not popular anymore or something. I don't know, whatever. And she's sort of the viewpoint character to Kuro um just being a total dirtbag and scamming his way through uh making everybody believe he's an actual high schooler and him, you know, pass, doing just enough to pass all the tests and everything. Right. Right. Yeah. And they come up with some very convoluted, uh, you know, ways of like sending him test answers and stuff like that. Um, this is like a Naruto where they're doing the training exam and everyone yeah. like figure out new way, different ways to cheat without being caught or like still being caught, but cheating well enough. <laughs> But, uh, I guess the, the the premise of the joke is similar to what you described. Of essentially, right. Kuro has to take a series of tests, mm-hmm. and just, just with the uh, under under ninja lowest common denominator humor. But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Just some um, real real fucking dirtbag ways to cheat at a test, <laughs> and it's like. Like and he's like, he's he's not above just breaking down into tears in front of the teacher to right, get his way. Right. Like, that kind of like, like he has no dignity whatsoever. Yes, yes that is the fun of is, Kuro's. Kuro's a character with no shame, no dignity, shame no or dignity or anything. He will do whatever no it takes to, <laughs> to get the job done, and it's it's quite hilarious. So yeah, like that that so that was the most fun I've had um, with Under Ninja so far, and that was like two-thirds of the latest episode there, there's you know as always four other things happening and none of it really makes sense but um you know i feel like that's where we're, that, that's kind of the the personality i was expecting to see from the show and mm-hmm. i wish it was more than just two-thirds of one out of five episodes <laughs> but yeah i i mean I, I guess i don't know maybe it just works better in manga form but it does feel like the anime is kind of struggling to like well they didn't they bring- didn't do all this they didn't do all the same kind of skipping around in the manga, did they? No, no. The manga is just a it's it's chrono it's just all in chronological order. Yeah. It's just a normal ass story. Yeah. Uh, so like I, I I don't know why they couldn't have just done that. Like yeah, it's it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Again, I thought it was like an okay idea for the first episode, but like ever and since they kept going. I, yeah. I don't yeah, know why they're still going with this. Because I mean the and it's not it's not even just following the plot. Because actually, I mean following the plot is not really that hard, but the. We're, we never we never have enough time to get to Catch know the characters yeah. and before they introduce three more characters and another plot thread. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, this this episode was my favorite because that's probably the longest stretch of time we've spent with Kuro getting to know, you know, his deal and, you know, mm-hmm. having a chance to attach ourselves to his to his you know story and everything. And. I feel like if they had just told us chronologically, that maybe that worked better. Um, but instead, you know, every episode we're getting, you know, four new characters introduced uh, that we don't care about because they're on screen for 10 seconds before the clock <laughs> right. reverses and we're back to three months ago to a month ago or whatever. And it's just, I don't know if they thought that was like going to be like a cool artsy thing to do or whatever, uh, but like, it's just not, does not, it does not help the show at all. No, but, I agree. I think at this point it right. is kind of a mystifying directing choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, 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 I still I want it. I want it to work. I'm still going to keep watching. <laughs> but um, and and I think coming off this last episode, and you, you, we are starting to see 
G, did you predict by episode six we would finally get to like all the uh, the actual high school showdown or whatever? I, I think that's what I was hoping for. Yes. So that might that might actually happen since we're coming up on episode six next. But um, <laughs> so maybe moving forward they're going to have their act together. I don't know, but we'll yeah. see. All righty. All right. So that's going to do it for our anime talk. But yeah. uh, you know, since we have Aqua with us. Yeah, we always like to do a little uh, Tokusatsu update. No, I'm here oh. every time. What? I'm here every time. We could, if you ever wanted to talk about Tokusatsu gel. <laughs> Look, that's fair. We, we can't do it every time, okay? Uh-huh. So you know, we 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 we'll space it out when we have more than one person that is watching. Uh-huh. The, the, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. You know, so. Uh, what's uh what's the latest with the uh the men in rubber suits what's what's the latest what's what's the latest on the men in rubber actually when king orchard are wearing leather suits Uh, i will will end this podcast right now (laughs) (laughs) no so um yeah we've uh, been watching the like traditional um tokusatsu duo of super sentai and kamen rider with a super sentai they are we're currently nearing the end of the current show um which is a royal sentai yeah like two thirds we're in like the 30th the episodes episode 30 ish yeah or or like in the 30s of what is normally like a 48 episode show yeah we're we're out about 35 36 these shows tend to go about 45 46 right yeah so closing in on the ending and and what is noticeable here is that they for the first time are doing a kind of like a season structure in that they explicitly announced the second half of the show as like season two, which got its own like key art, um, which is not normally something they do for Tokusatsu. Normally it's just, you know, it runs continuously. Yeah. Um, and the thing is there has been, there's been a time skip. So the first half of the show short recap it's uh, all the five rangers in our team are all uh monarchs of um of a nation on a planet somewhere far away in space and and sort of the unique dynamic of the first half of the show was that the the sentai is not really a sentai like they're not really a team the most they're of like the, a coalition yeah yeah they're an uneasy coalition of monarchs mostly trying to advance their own agendas uh, but also understanding that their entire planet is being attacked by monsters, right? I think I but, think I remember this. It's been a yeah, while, but yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. But this gave this gave us some like interesting, um, interesting concepts that maybe were not always executed all that greatly. Uh, but now we've moved into the second half. Uh, there's been a two-year time skip. And it's becoming more like a conventional Sentai. Like at this point, the monarchs have like seized power. Like they, 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 they are trusted by their by their subordinates. You know, they are comfortably in their in their seats. Uh, and then they're getting attacked by an alien, uh, an alien invasion force led by a guy called what's his name? Doug Dead Dujardin. Doug Dead Dujardin, indeed. Who is like this basically a god like 
it's very common for Super Sentai to fight like dudes who are like wanted in 73 galaxies for like mass murder and genocide. But this guy is literally like literally says that he has like subjugated every every dimension except for this one. Uh, he's, he's just like, like he's taking his time because it's boring. Right. right, right, right. But he's like a, a villain on a much like bigger scale than what Sentai usually does. Not that it makes much difference. Like he's still going to mm-hmm, send mm-hmm. one monster down every episode, and the monster is going to do some shenanigans. But yeah. it's this return to like the classic structure that allows Kigojo to do some of the like Sentai classics, like the body swap episode right, or right. the the like the evil clone episode and stuff like that. Right. But it mostly does it in a decent enough way. The show is kind of weird in that it sometimes wants to be taken seriously as a like like an, an epic fantasy drama on like of course on the level of kids but it wants to be you know pretty serious weighty while other times it's trying to be like a silly goofy comedy yeah yeah it's super senta now what is interesting oh sorry i'm gonna guess i'm gonna guess that it does not go well when they try to be serious (laughs) (laughs) it has occasionally has interesting ideas but it never really manages to manifest though yeah. if that makes sense like this is very you can very clearly see this in the character of the the like the traditional six ranger you know in power rangers you had the green ranger uh and here we have uh jeremy brazieri the uh the well how do you describe that that's kind of thing you can't really describe this character because his role switches every five episodes like he starts off as like a roguish mm-hmm. king in the iron mask and everyone is like oh what is he the king of and then he turns out he's not the king of anything and then he's a spy and then he is uh, he wants revenge right. and then he's secretly manipulating everything behind the scenes and then he becomes the king of the bad guys and then he becomes the like it's, it's they just don't know what to do with they're throwing like, so many things at the wall and yeah 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 and like so because sentai is normally so formulaic all the time mm-hmm. th- there's just inherently some sort of um, novelty value and going like oh so this is kind of in- an interesting thing for sentai to do but then also it means it's completely unprepared to do any of these things and so right. he just fumbles flat on its face and then moves on and then we go dang if you had put some actual time into this concept, it maybe would have been interesting. I mean, a running gag that we have when watching the show is that every single episode feels like a series finale. <laughs> right. <laughs> because every they like wrap up this episode. big, big plot arc and then immediately introduce something else. Yeah. And it, you sort of get the situation that nothing really changes. So the current arc that they're on is like, pretty interesting because they've just done a cross a crossover with an, another sentai show from 10 years ago yeah Pure i believe Ruger, so yeah. Pure which was a show we did pretty extensively cover on this blog um and so the you know traditional you know cable tv crossover thing oh we uh, are get sucked into a different dimension and now we're in the world of cure user right but the weird thing is normally these crossovers are like weird goofy like non-canon filler but here they actually reveal that the society that the king ogers are 
monarchs of was actually like founded by spacefaring uh-huh. settlers from the Kyoryuger world. And sure, that not? now the Kyoryuger world has also been subjugated by that one villain. And then when they get back from the world of the other Sentai, it turns out they're like nine months have passed. And in the meantime, the bad guy has won. He has conquered the world because they were gone for nine months. Oh, there were and, actual consequences. That's right, right. That there is, were actual right, consequences. But that's so now we're in an arc where like each of the rangers like tries to win back their own nation or like back their own nation, and we've just had the episode where the blue ranger like does that, and the blue ranger is like he is the king of Bunshow Hackerland, yeah. (laughs) So all they're like they're like cyberpunk world. They're all hackers and into technology, but they also act like you know traditional like. Anime delinquents. They say "ora" in yeah, 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 and they have pompadours and things like that. And whatever <laughs> they want to throw down, they have hacker fights where they just take out their laptops and slam random keys. <laughs> right. But the episode good. ends with that entire country just wiped off the map. <laughs> right. Whoa. Yeah, like, because like the what Blue Ranger King decides like he would rather. Have all the subjects survive, right? Yeah, yeah. keep his country alive. Um, Safe his little robes, yeah, or whatever you. But then it's like, yeah, you end on this like they're staying over a hill, and this country is like a smoking crater, and yeah, it's because like I made I made my choice to save you instead, and then it's like next episode. Oh no, yellow might be yellow princess might be engaged. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, right, and it's so weird <laughs> for Sentai, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, because th- there's a certain okay, there's a certain like level of atonality that we just all expect from anime at this point, or Japanese mm-hmm. media even, and Tokusatsu in particular is capable of big swings on that front. But this is just like there, this to ha- is feel like in like it's doing it with no intentionality whatsoever, right? Right. right. Yeah, uh, this is just the next part of the story that we yeah, have. Yes. So we're not, yeah. No transition. It's just a bunch of ideas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which you also see in like how characters can like act widely different from right. scene to scene. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. there's just no consistency. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. Right. Like, oh, no, is this series being what it is? Do you think? They may continue to try to do Sentais in like non-Earth settings going forward. They have been trying to shake up the formula over the past couple Sentai of years. Sentai has not been doing yeah. well. Yeah, uh, because I mean, over the past couple of years, saying that was the big thing about this series when it first yeah. debuted. Right. Over the past couple of years, we have had uh, like two Sentais who fight each other. We have had. A Sentai that only has one ranger and like four, four like robot buddies. We've had like all sorts of different variations on the theme. Uh, and I think King Oger is relative doing relatively well. I'm not sure. I'd have to I'd yeah. have to look up toy sales but and such. It ne- doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily come from the story. Like 
the mm. big the big change about this show is that they're filming on like an all green key CGI set like they filmed mm-hmm. the Mandalorian and stuff. Right. So, so the first Japanese production to do this like till the whole way through or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Allegedly they have a one million yen budget per episode. <laughs> what? So one billion yen it was. Really? Okay. Because okay. I would say, dude, a million yen, that's like, what, like $10,000 or something? Like, okay, yeah, a billion yen then. Uh, the show looks with, like. With the week, with the week yen, that's even less. Yeah, you know, right this now. show looks like it's got a one million yen per episode. Yeah, it, that. It, it looks like absolute garbage. Don't, uh, know what well. doing, don't know what they're doing with the other 999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it's. <laughs> We didn't. So, we didn't immediately kick it to the curb like some other Sentai shows, right? Right. Because it is at least like so. At least there are actual different. people in actual rubber suits, as opposed right. to the last Sentai show. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's at least interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it has an occasional like fun moment. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of interesting that Sentai is trying to be a bit more um, ambitious or serious. Yeah. Compared to Common Rider this year, because Common Rider is going full goofy and silly. Right. Common Rider this is like year. A more serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Common Rider has like places. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So Common mm-hmm. Rider is a Common Rider Gotchard, which I think we have talked about once, but only after the first episode came out. Oh my god! And the long. first episode of a Common Rider show is always kind of the same, so you get don't really get an idea of what the show will be like. Hmm. But now we're like ten episodes in, I want to say, yeah, like eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So around ten episodes in, and it's turned out that Gutchard is like a, it's a retro throwback kind of show, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this in many things because over the past couple of years, we've always complained that Common Rider has had the core issue of it's expensive to make or too expensive to make. So they can't do Monster of the Week anymore because for Monster of the Week, you need to make a cool new monster every week. So they came up with this idea of, well, people don't buy toys associated with monsters, but they do buy toys associated with common riders. So what did they do? They moved a lot of the budget for monster suits to making more common riders. And as a result, most of the recent shows have been about common riders, many, many common riders who fight each other for some reason or another mm-hmm. instead of fighting monsters, right? Now, the last show, Common Rider Geats, worked within this premise because it was a kind of like Battle, Battle Royale thing, right? This show is going entirely back to basics. There is one rider. We're 10 episodes in, and there's still only one common rider. Yes, but he is legally distinct from a common (laughs) rider. He is a common warrior. Uh Oh, Grid Knight. But but the fact is, the idea is they're trying to go back to basics, back to, Mm -hmm. to like Monster of the Week, back to like Showa era silliness. And I think they're doing a pretty good job at it. You mentioned, like you mentioned, Grid Knight and Kamar Ga- Gachard is the head writer is uh, Kichi Hasegawa, who right, also yes, wrote SSS as Gridman and Dinazenon. Right. 
Uh, yes. And Rage of Bahamagenesis. Right. <laughs> but this show is more similar to Rage of Bahamagenesis, as in it knows what it is, you know? Right. And what it is is a show about a guy in a rubber suit who punches right. monsters. Uh-huh. So so the entire idea is it's it's like there are these Pokemon-like creatures called the Kemis. And at the beginning of the show, they all get lost. They get like spread out all over Japan or Tokyo. Um, mm-hmm. And the main character has to become Kamen Rider to like find them all and catch them all and bring them back to the alchemy institution because chemis are dangerous you know if they if they uh-huh. if they are around people with malicious intentions then they will try to copy that evil behavior and they will become monsters so a lot of the conflict in the early episodes is about like common rider our hero who is like oh chemis are friends you know uh-huh. they don't mean no harm they only become bad when people make them do bad things versus his rival mm-hmm. uh, valvarat or yeah well, we call him spanner kuragane because mm-hmm. that's his name his name is spanner he fights with a big spanner uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and he's like the rival who's like, no, chemis are tools. They're dangerous. They need to be, you know, imprisoned. So that's what the conflict is about. Um, yep. But the fun thing is that this gives us like a lot of like episodic adventures about civilians bonding with chemis, right? Yes. <laughs> and there is one very good episode. I think it's like episode six, five or six. Yeah. That is about like a rundown wrestling dojo with like yeah, an old yeah. man, but he doesn't get any new students. But he has, you know, he has a, he's a he has a friend, which is the Kemi Wrestler G, which has possessed this like shitty Lucha Libre action figure. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's also in trouble with the Yakuza. So the Yakuza show up to like ask for protection money and they like threaten to beat up his gym. And then like Wrestler G comes out and beats up all of the Yakuza. But it's literally like they dangle this this action figure from a piece of from like a piece yeah. of fish wire and they like swing it around and then the stuntmen dressed as Yakuza have to pretend to be beaten up. It rules. It rules. Very, and then at the end of the tough. In the end of the episode, like they show that oh, you know, chemists can become monsters, but like if they are, have been like influenced in a good way, then they can also become heroic monsters. So Wrestler G transforms into just like a wrestler, just like a dude with a lucha libre mask, and then together with uh, with Common Rider, uh-huh. he like beats up the monster in the wrestling ring. But then it is time to say goodbye because Wrestler G has to go with Common Rider to become a power up, mm-hmm. uh, so that Common Rider can continue Humans his fight against evil memories of the kids, yeah yeah so. The old man has to tearfully say goodbye to Wrestler G. <laughs> his little action figure. Yeah. <laughs> and, right, the, and, the chemis are, and the chemis are Pokemon, so they can only say Pokemon things, right? Oh, right. So it's like the old man is like, Wrestler G, no, you must move on you and help Kamen Rider in his... You've inspired yeah. me to continue my gym. Yeah. And then Wrestler G just goes, Wrestler G. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then, we had like that whole talk earlier this podcast about how like yeah. Japanese audiences are just better primed to empathize with non-human right, characters. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, right. Really, really feeling that right oh, now. So I mean, two there is a arc about this child who, yeah. you know, who's studying too much, but he became friends with Sabo Needle, the plastic cactus. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, and he comes around with him. 
And it's just a cactus with like eyes, and they yeah, like yeah. wiggling it around to make it move. Uh, I mean, there's an episode about a skateboard that is like, right. oh, it's a cool skateboard, and it's hanging out with kids at the skate park doing tricks, except. The special effects look like garbage because they don't have money to do it properly. But then the skateboard go, like falls in with the wrong crowd, and he like <laughs> goes to hang out with delinquents, and he becomes an evil skateboard. <laughs> and then Kamen Rider just shows up and says, with like the flattest of faces, "How dare you threaten the hopes and dreams of this skateboard?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, good. it's yeah. it's good. Uh, I think that that writer is good at what he does, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah. knows how to, like, tread this line of this show is incredibly stupid uh, and silly. Right. While also, like, there are other plot threads bubbling underneath, like... Right, right, right. They have to right. erase, a... erase people's memories, like, the civilians, anytime they find a Kemi, like, no matter how good their relationship was with the Kemi... And, mm-hmm. you know, common writer wants to be like, do we really have to erase this 10-year-old child's memory of his best friend, <laughs> the plastic cactus? Say, it's alchemy <laughs> law. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, if this if this writer could make me, like, feel the pathos of a mummy. <laughs> yeah, a 5 year old mummy, yeah. I guess anything's possible. Indeed. I mean, uh-huh. and it also has just, like, fun side characters, you know? Like, Kamen Rider is, like, a traditional, like, classic, like, good boy, but they mm-hmm. play it up really well. Like, his, the rival dude is, like, so comically square and just, like, an asshole. Just sort Perfect of, like... in every way, right? Like, having him around as well. There's, like, a, a goofy sidekick duo, one of which is, like, a girl from Osaka, and her whole thing is that she, like, gr- runs grifts all the time. Got a hustle to make. That yeah, money. yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, the current episode we're on is like the traditional em- uh, episode where Toei show off their cool Edo period set. So they go to Kyoto on a school trip, uh, and they like go to a, like a theme park that is like Edo period themed. So uh-huh. it's an excuse to have everyone running around dressed like samurai and uh, yep. stuff. So pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's been it's been fun so far. Uh, yeah, yeah. In a way that the past few have not been, <laughs> and in the way because, that Sentai has not been right now either. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because the thing is, like, it's still a toy commercial. Because like every episode, there will be new Kemis, and guess what? If you you know put guard. the card that the Kemi is on into the belt, it becomes a cool power up. And we don't have money for enough power up, so some of them are all CGI and look like garbage. But also sometimes it's just a JPEG moving around. And yeah, funny. <laughs> it's like it's just like a prop. Like the, there's like a Kemi that's just called smartphone, and it's a smartphone with eyes and arms and legs. But it's a shitty plastic prop that they always have to use whenever they're calling each other uh yeah Yeah. i mean that kind of stuff you know if you like the like goofiest but most charming shitty special effects this is the common writer show for you Mm -hmm. really uh getting back to basics i guess yeah absolutely and apparently it's intentionally so right Uh, right it's an intentional show i throwback also in that like all of the monsters are like surprisingly dark (laughs) right even, even though, like, they're targeting children, that's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Comrades just save the children because his oh, I'm sorry, to a monster and trying yeah. to eat him. Oh, like, 
I'm sorry, son, that I turned into a monster to try and break up your friendship between you and your best friend, the plastic cactus, because I need you to study more. Yeah. I think we would AT need to uh, shut this off before we get another yes. plastic cactus reference. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very amusing. Uh, 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 it sounds like a lot of fun. So, yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it then for this episode. Uh, we'll get to our housekeeping. You can check us out at thegloryoblog.com and follow us on Twitter at the Glorio blog on co-host at Glorio. And uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, Amazon music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube, where you can like comment, subscribe, ring that notification bell. Tell us we're wrong. You know, whatever, whatever you want to do, it all counts as engagement. And, uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your enemies. And we'll catch up for next time. Wrestler G.